Begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It's Chris, aka Star Raptor for Outer Rim Transmission. This is episode number 98. It's the big one, the one we've been anticipating since 2020, believe it or not. We are talking, of course, about The Mandalorian season three premiere. This is chapter 17, as it is counted, and this one is called The Apostate. But that isn't all. We also have The Bad Batch season two, episode 11 titled Metamorphosis to also break down and discuss. And that's it, because just those two things on their own right is plenty of content to get through, probably more than enough for one show, but we're going to keep it within a two-hour time period. But yeah, it's a big one for tonight, because it's the first time in history that we have two Star Wars series coming out on the same exact day, as we've been over this many times. Why doesn't Lucasfilm just space things out just a little bit? especially considering that I feel like the Bad Batch was really good this week again, and it totally has been overshadowed by Mandalorian, as we would all obviously expect. But uh, there you go. We're going to get into two reviews tonight, so looking forward to it. How's it going, Ben? Good, good. It was uh, another good week. It's been absolutely wild over here. It was almost 70 degrees on Wednesday, and today we're in a winter weather advisory, and we had snow throughout the day. So it's just been craziness. Um, so yeah, it's been a been a been an interesting week in that regard. And yeah, and then of course you know we had the release of Mando and Bad Batch, and you know it's just it's so awesome having Mando back. Um, just because it's like it feels like the buzz of Star Wars is back. I don't know about you guys, but you know you see it on social media, whether it be Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. Like, I've seen so many Instagram reels, people using the Mando music, you know, just um, all kinds of things like that. Just random people. I I had a couple random messages from people I haven't talked to in several months just, just uh, here and there. Like, they messaged me and are like, hey, oh my gosh, did you see Mando is back? And blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, just, just getting random messages like that, it's cool. Like, that just shows, like, how wide-reaching that show really is. Oh, heck yeah. It's Star Wars season upon us. I mean, it's Star Wars season for us here on the podcast, 365 days a week. But um, for the mainstream, we'll call it the mainstream because that's really what the Mandalorian is about, right? Our parents got into it. Our loved ones got into it. People that haven't seen Star Wars since the original trilogy, maybe they skipped out on the sequels and the prequels, but then they started watching this for some reason. It's definitely a phenomenon as a trailer um, often puts it on TV spot. The world global phenomenon has returned to Mandalore. So yeah, it's it's good stuff. How's it going, Millen? I'm good, man. Just uh, excited to be back, ready to talk some Star Wars and get into these episodes. So let's get it. Hell yeah. Jumping off of our week in Star Wars, I just pulled one out of my brain literally 30 seconds ago as we're keeping it on track for Mandalorian. I will say it's always fun when you get all the marketing, as I was talking about last week, about, uh, oh yeah, the show and tells I usually do here, but it wasn't for miniatures, it was for food. Uh, this week, I am talking about um, just going on Google. I don't know if it's still activated now, but if you go on Google right now, just type into Mandalorian. All of a sudden, it gives you an experience, which uh, I guess at this point I have to spoil it since I'm already going down this rabbit hole. But basically, a little Grogu pops up like a 3D animated Grogu at the bottom of your phone. And then if you click on him, touch him, whatever, then he'll actually like um, do like a basically pull down the trailer like using the force and like all these like beads like little chocolate things out of the episode little red candies start like flying over the screen so i was like oh wow that's that's pretty cool so yeah even even google is in on on mandalorian but i, I always enjoy that whether it be going on twitter 
and uh, you know using a hashtag and a bunch of Grogu's like flying across the screen suddenly or something like that. It's always a nice, uh, nice little reminder that yeah, you know, Star Wars is is big here and it's 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 bigger than ever. I think. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars, Star Wars is huge. Like you know, in that regard, like you said, you you have Google, you have you know, like like you said, it's cool. Like either like typing in the hashtag or you know you'll see where you click the heart on some tweets it'll like change into like the mando helmet sometimes or like you know different things like that i just um i don't know i love that social aspect of star wars i think it's i think it's one of the best the best parts of the experience because you know i had a discussion with one of my buddies about this um so like you know netflix that for example they always go and release like either the half season or the full season of a show but here's the thing so like a couple weeks a couple weeks ago when when the new season of outer banks came out when when that came out you know that some social media buzz people talked about it etc now that it's been out for a week or two it's dead like they haven't there you know you don't see anybody talking about it cuz they released the first half of the season 10 episodes and then they they moved on basically like you know so you see stuff like that and it's just like i love the week to week format more and more like it's just it's so nice, you know, building the hype and anticipation with all your friends, with people on these podcasts like us three or other podcasters. Like, it, I think it's just the social experience of Star Wars is one of the best things, especially when we're in like a real like positive time like the Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Positive yeah. is definitely one way to put it. Go ahead, Mullen. Right, right. I'm about to say, I, I, I hear you when it comes to the positivity. I totally agree on that. I'm I'm quite the opposite when it comes to releasing. Like I honestly I'm so used to streaming now. So I'll take all 10, 12 episodes right away. Um cuz I like to space them out too. Like I can't just watch them all day every day cuz you know life gets in the way. Like I I do like digesting it in chunks. However, I think if you have a good show like Mandalorian, I think you can get away with the weekly releases just because it's a good show. If it's trash, then yeah, just give it to me all at once so I can just deal with it and be done with it. But because this is a good show, I'm okay with it being released weekly. I, I understand the buzz behind it. And in a lot of ways, this show it kind of kick off Disney Plus in the sense of it made it popular. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is this is where you have to obviously stick to the formula that's been working for the show. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a formula that, you know, I was surprised they didn't you know they they've messed with the formula right so, so visions they've they put those all out once uh visions volume two they're going to do the same so you know tales of the jedi they've done that so certain projects they will but you know they got to bring in the subscribers when it comes down to the end of it and if it's their flagship series uh they they want people sticking around not subscribing for a single month and then dipping so yeah at least they can get i guess a solid two months out of them versus one hey that that adds up when it's like 100 million people yeah. Oh yeah, Disney Plus is well over a hundred million people, right? At this point, I think it's like yep. probably getting close to two hundred. I think at this point. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, those are really good points. Um, yeah, from for my week in Star Wars, I'd say though to throw out there, I um another like mini discussion um to throw out there to both of you guys and our and our listeners and our viewers. So an interesting thing popped up this week. Um, you know, it could be true, could be false, could be just a guy gassing up his buddy to like, you know, make him sound cooler than what hat what really was going on. But 
I don't know if any of you guys saw, um, for our listeners, I know you, you, you both did in our chat, Milton and Chris, I sent it to you guys, but, um, so this week, an interesting thing popped up. Freddie Prince Jr. was on a podcast and he flat out said on camera that Dave Filoni directed the entire Vader sequence at the end of Rogue One. So it's just, to me, it's like, if that's true, that is wild. And like, that would make a lot of sense as to why that scene and the way it all played out was so hype. Like it just, you know, like, I feel like Dave knows that character and knows the characters, especially from the original trilogy so well, like the Luke Sierra stuff. It just makes sense. Um, but then again, like I said, it could just be Freddie Prince just like, you know, talking his guy up, just, just, I don't know, pulling something out of thin air. But, you know, he, he literally said on that podcast, he wasn't supposed to, you know, tell that information. So it's just like, I wonder what the actual real story is there behind the ending of Rogue One. I really do. Like, we need that in a book someday or something. 2016, that's when Rogue One came out. What was Dave Filoni doing in 2016? Didn't Rebels end in 2016 or 2017, something yeah, like that? it ended, I think, early 2016. Okay. So, so maybe he had some time to kill. So at the end of, you know, in the summer of 2016... Buddy of his calls him up and says, "Hey, you want to come down to the set?" He's like, "Hey, I have a couple ideas for this." Like, like I mean, what does directing speak of exactly? Like, we had George Lucas technically directing in Solo because he was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, you got to have like Kirk and and Han Solo kiss in his closet, like do like this over here." Word probably like, should like, be consulting or something. Yeah, I don't think he's sitting there like taking credit for Lucy. Maybe he was like, "Oh, maybe we should have like Vader using a force choke as he's slashing the guy in half with the force behind him." You know, something like I could see like him getting like a little bit of perks or or credit for you know a little bit of improvisation, maybe off the script. Like, oh, this should be doing this. Like, maybe something like that, but. Because um, something also interesting came up today. I didn't get a chance to really look into it all already. So, um, but something about uh, Ryan Johnson was talking about Dave Filoni was on set with Last Jedi or something like. There's some hubbub going on online about it today. I don't know if you know anything about that, Ben. No, I actually didn't. I didn't get a chance to look into that. Um, no, that's new news to me, or that's new um, like speculation and rumblings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm interesting though that like that that's that's interesting um i don't know that whole that whole situation with eight is a whole i'm I'm gonna try to be i'm I'm not saying nothing because i'm gonna try to be nice about that movie with with, i say that 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 whole thing was very interesting i'm gonna say i'm gonna say this i'm gonna say this ryan johns if it's true that feloni was on set for last jedi yeah the whole speculation that if if it if it were true the movie would have been better yeah, it wasn't so. I don't think it was true. Well, no, no, no he, he was actually. No, no. I'm sure no, no, he was no, actually no, there. Let me back him, back him, back up, back up. Yes, he probably was on set. He just had no consultation of directing or story or nothing like that. So the movie wasn't great. Well, see, the thing was, he was there, being like getting experience because at that yeah. point, I guess they were. Oh, I know. I know. I'm yeah. I'm just being a hater because I just don't like that movie. <laughs> so like, it's just well, whatever. Well, my- well, my thing with that whole thing is like he could have been there just getting experience, literally just as right. like an int- as any as any other intern yeah, would. Like check he, it out. He, he didn't obviously. Ryan Johnson had full creative control. I mean, just Absolutely. look at the way the, the movie turned out. Like Absolutely. so, um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I think that's uh that's like a minor thing of nothing, but it's interesting. It's it's good. I mean, hey, it's good, Dave. 
<laughs> not to like crack a joke about this, but but Milton, you'll like this, but it's good. Dave was getting firsthand experience of what not to do with Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, like I think um, I mean, hey, like Dave, Dave, it's good. Dave got that experience because you know after that his next live action um thing or involvement was mandalorian and like it was clear he had rust in the first season of the mandalorian like i think in my opinion his two episodes were the two weakest ones of season one um so like i just think it's good that he got experience on like a movie set because eventually he might um do a movie but uh but yeah i don't know i just think it's i think that's like a minor thing Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill, do you have anything to share for this week at Star Wars? Nothing personally. I mean, except for like my my boss tried to be funny uh, about <clears throat> about Star Wars this week. Huh. She we were in a meeting or something for like within our whole department. Wow! And she was wait she was waiting for like the guest speaker to pop up on the screen, and she's like she was trying to kill time, and she's like, oh, by the way. Today's like a huge day for Star Wars people because it's the first day of Mandalorian or something. And I just looked at her. I was like, that was the dumbest, corniest joke like you just tried to make. Wow. And I know why she did it. I know why she did it because she because she was awkward about it, though. That's the thing. Like, I literally told her, I said, you made it really awkward. Like, it's when you're trying to kill time. Like, you shouldn't even go that far with it. <laughs> However, I love my boss, but she was just being weird. And she had to just throw Star Wars out there. I'm just thinking, no, that didn't work. <laughs> like, just stop. Don't use Star Wars like, as a joke. You don't know how to do it. So, yeah, I mean, um, if... Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, cute. It was cute. It just, it was just awkward. I'm like, okay, can we just get through this meeting and just be done? Like, stop yeah. playing around. Yeah, it's like, you know, Star Wars has become mainstream to a certain degree, if you will. Uh, well, it's always been mainstream, let's put it that way. But it's like, when people try to, like, pick out the finer details and they're not like in the know sometimes it does come off as like really corny and you're just like ooh yeah That's I'm not yeah. I'm not basically putting myself in that category <laughs> no it was it was corny I mean people know at my office I like Star Wars like I mean how I got a Mandalorian helmet you know behind me when I'm doing like zoom meetings but it's like okay like do not try to be funny with it you're, you're not good at it and my boss is very awkward in general so it's like no don't try <laughs> all right so without further ado we're going to get into it but before we do some housekeeping if you are watching this at nine o'clock on friday or after the fact we are also on any podcast streaming service of your choice go ahead and search outer Rim transmission give us a download give us a review and a rate as well we would greatly appreciate it and would help us kind of get better with the algorithm to have more fans uh joining in on the discussion. And if you want to be joining in on the discussion live, you can join us every Friday at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, where we always have some good Star Wars banter and chats in the live chat, just like Dark Nerdy Gonzo chiming in. He went to the mall over the weekend and grabbed a, a vintage classic, uh, the vintage collection mall loyalist Mandos on clearance for 11 bucks. Yeah, that's the thing. Is they Some of these figures, they will just like, if it's the exclusive figure for that, exact retail place they will make like 20 of them and send them to the stores and they will never sell and you'll see them on the pegs and the next thing you know they got to drop the price by like three quarters on those things or something like that but 
Yeah, so go ahead. You can join in the discussion. As for our releases this week, here we go. I'm going to try to do this in all one breath without taking a breath because, oh my gosh, we just had a mega load of Star Wars comics, a mother load, if you will. The Mandalorian issue number eight, Hyperspace Stories issue number four, The Blade issue number three, Star Wars issue number 32, Hidden Empire issue number four, Hot and Chewbacca issue number 10. If you want to see any of those, go ahead and check out the review on this channel right now. Yes, I am not kidding. They all came out in a single day, and I'm going to run out of action chip. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I, 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 I know we're not going to like spend long on this topic, but I do, have a, I do have a thing to throw out there on that. Like... You release all of those in one week, and the, and it's the Mandalorian premiere week. Like, who schedules this stuff? <laughs> the worst part is Marvel's been in business for almost a hundred years, and they still can't get their distribution correct. It's like, what the heck? Like, I, I part of me thinks it's got to be they did it because of Mando hype. They wanted to build off Mando hype. They figure like everybody's oh, yeah. gonna be like the Star Wars hype. Like, oh, oh, you know what? I haven't been to my comic book shop in a long time. Let me go there. It's like. Oh, That's wow, true. I have all these awesome Star Wars comics because there's no reason to have them do that. I mean, Dark Horse had one issue. Marvel had five. Darkish, uh, Dark Horse, they have enough problems on their own right because they never get their comics out on time. They're constantly mm -hmm. delayed. So I got a bone to pick with them. But come, like, come on, Marvel, like you guys had to put out five. And it sucks because like in my review, if you watch it, I'm doing like two minutes on each comic where I usually spend five or six because it's just there was so much to read in one day that I just had to get through all those comics and you know it sucks because one of the comics that was the final issue was Han, Han Solo Chewbacca issue number 10 and that happened to be the last issue so I feel like that completely got swept under the rug because then you have Hidden Empire you have Star Wars you have Blade you have Mandalorian issue number eight and and don't get me started on the Mandalorian comics because I've already gone on enough tangents about why do you release the comics that have nothing to add to the story they literally carbon copy of the damn if you want to read them, just go watch the show. You know, it's like, oh, you can make the argument. Well, like, oh, I don't have Disney Plus. Well, let's see. Each comic issue is like four ninety nine because they're charging an extra dollar because they have like three extra pages. Um, it's like just spend another dollar and you would have Disney Plus for every month that you're gonna buy the comic. And there you go. It's like, it's literally a collector's thing. And the worst part is they're they're making a season two, and I've already said I'm not gonna read those unless they come out in trade paperback because. I don't want to waste my time and I don't want to waste the money as much because it'll be cheaper if you buy them in a trade versus each single issue individually. And I'm not saying like they're crappy. Like the, the artwork, the creativity is great. It's just I don't like the direction of whoever decided to do this decision on just putting these things out. Like, and it was way past its date. Like, Mandalorian Season 1's been out for three years now. Like, or yeah, four years now. It's like, why'd they wait till now to do it? I don't know. But anyway, we have too many better things to talk about today so i don't want to go and hark on that again but yeah go just check out the review everybody and um hopefully you enjoy those videos or that video <sighs> okay <laughs> i think we're gonna go in the order in which i watch these so i woke up earlier than i wanted to we'll put it that way on wednesday um because i knew i had to read these six comic books right so i had to get up early um and i still didn't read them all before i started my work shift but anyway so i watched the bad batch first and we're gonna start with that so the bad batch season two episode 11 metamorphosis no it was not as bad as season one what was it called again ben it was like the bug one or infestation um, 
it, Infestation. it was the opposite. I I really enjoyed this episode. I don't know about you guys. I, we haven't really said anything about it uh, since recording this right now, but I was really happy with this. It brought back the, something that people have been kind of like jokingly kind of like brought back in her hindsight like oh yeah the zillow beast when's the zillow beast gonna ever pop up and we got a zillow beast and the fact that they actually confirmed it's mount tantus a big connective piece to the thrawn trilogy in canon right now really cool we got this really creepy prime minister dr himlock i believe is the guy's name we got commandos i got a total jurassic park vibe from the opening sequence um mixed with alien the scale of this thing was so much better seeing the empire trying to sweep this whole matter under the rug by getting the civilians and carting them away then basically having omega as another focal point on the empire once again i'll be honest with you this should have been the season premiere i feel like this was a great way that you could have kicked off a season premiere because it gives you the risk it gives you the intensity and it has some like really like wow jaw-opening moments for me at least that i really enjoyed this episode uh i'll throw it to milton what was your uh, first thoughts salvo on this episode man uh before i give my initial impression i do agree with how you mentioned it should have been the premiere episode um because this felt like a, a premiere episode this, this felt like a good setup for what a season could be um with that said i have one word for this episode invested after watching this episode, <laughs> I felt invested in where the story was going. And even after you hear you saying, like, you know, this was, this could have been a premiere episode and there were things that were being set up, foreshadowed, continued from previous shows like Clone Wars with the Zillow Beast. Because I do, I have, to remember, I have to remember that at the end of that episode, I think Palpatine makes a comment about that beast. He's like, hey, we got to, like, do something with it or something like that. So if yeah, you you've seen, more plans for you. Yeah, if you seen Clone Wars, you would understand like why this beast was still around or why they still use the material of this beast to clone, you know, whatever. And it was cool to see that. But anyway, it was nice to see that they could continue that story into Bad Batch. Also, too, it was nice to see that this actually was pushing the narrative of the entire um lore of Star Wars, because mm -hmm. we're getting obviously clones. Uh, armor and weaponry being pushed with the Zillow Beast and them taking advantage of his armor. You have Mount Tantis and what they're trying to do with the technology of cloning. You know, they're saying trying to figure, you know, because we still don't know what they want to do. We know it's about Palpatine. We know they're going to use that technology for Palpatine's purposes, but they never said it yet in the animations, you know. So I'm waiting for them to actually say why they need, you know, was it, what's the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the doctor's name? The one that's from Cam, uh, Kaminoan. Oh, Nalase? Yeah. Like, we, we need to understand, like, what they're going to use. Mm -hmm. for. I, I know they yep. want knowledge and tech. But, um, but yeah, it was nice to see that we're seeing all these pieces and, mm -hmm. and things being kind of laid out. It's like, man, we should have got this early on because then you could have built off of this mm -hmm. from previous episodes. This mm -hmm. wasn't a filler. And another mm -hmm. word I have for this particular episode, actually for this entire season, is failure. Because literally, the clones have failed. When I say the clones of Bad Batch, they have failed every mission they went on for said. Every mission this season. Like, they have not been successful since day one of this season. Literally, she's like, oh, go to the ship now where it's 
whereas there's goodies and whatever, whatever, they get there, a, a wild Zillow beast is there and they can't capture it. They can't stop it. Another failure. Mm-hmm. So I think this episode was investing. I think this entire season has been about failure. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this episode. It actually wasn't bad at all. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was very yeah. much watching it from beginning to end. Now, the first five minutes I was shaky on because I was like, oh, we'll get to see Sid. Oh. Then I was like, oh, then I was like, oh, no, no, we're good. Like, because as they were starting to progress, like, all right, this isn't a bad episode. And plus all the Empire stuff, I'm glued to the TV. So mm-hmm. totally agree. Ben, what were your thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head on all of those points, Milton. Like for me, <clears throat> I can agree. Like the big word I, I would have to say coming out of the episode would be invested and anticipation because it made me actually excited for next week of bad batch and i mean i don't i don't think i've said that so far in this podcast other than leading into the actual show premiering so um i'm actually excited to see where the show heads now of course you know like we do have to like tamper expectations because we have seen this before where we go from like amazing episode to filler or like a fall-off episode so we got to keep that in mind but for this isolated episode i thought it was so good it was invested. It was just, um, it was engaging throughout. Um, like you said, Milton. At first, at first when I watched it, I was getting a little nervous. I was like, "Man, I don't, I don't know what Chris is seeing." We were five minutes in, and Sid. I was like, "Uh oh." And then you know it progressed, and I was like, "Okay, cool, 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 cool. We're 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 uh we're all good here." And I just, I think the way, like the animation, the way it was shot, the way, um, like the directing for the different characters, the Imperial characters were all really good. Um, and then of course the Zilla beast surprise, like, you know, that's been an, like you mentioned on our, on your opening monologue, Chris, like, you know, that's been a big thing in the fandom for so long. Like, where's this Zillow beast? Like it was such an un, um, I don't know, whatever this, whatever the term is, like the untied string. It was like an, uh, whatever, like it was a loose end. It was a, basically a loose end that was still from Clone Wars. Like, where did that story thread go? And now they're finally addressing it. So I think that's really cool. And then the future implications, like them confirming the Mount Tanta's name, the fact that they're there, we know they're there cloning because of obviously the Palpatine stuff, like, or, you know, that that sort of stuff's getting worked on. And it's just a matter of time. You know, it makes me wonder if this stuff is going to eventually tie into Mando, where, or not Mando, um, like the Mandoverse as a whole, you know, once we get to Thrawn, like, whether it be an Ahsoka or Skeleton Crew, like, once Thrawn gets out of wherever he's at, mm-hmm. are we going to see Thrawn going to Mount Tantus and we get a live-action Mount Tantus down <laughs> the line? Oh, there could be some good setup, retroactive setup that we yep. had no idea was coming. Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting because... Yeah, we all know that from the sequel trilogy, but now we can understand, like, oh, when, when he does show up, oh, we know what that is. That's a cloning place. It is. We get the retroactive examples yep. of uh, what, what it is. But, um, yeah, I want to start back with Sid. So I was really happy how they dealt with Sid. The fact that they didn't go back to Ornamental, the fact that it was a hologram, and Hunter straight up is like, let's drop this fool. Like, we don't even want to deal with her anymore. Tech is like, this is the last mission. Don't worry. I was like, how many times have you heard that? Oh, this is the last mission, right? 
So could the la the next mission maybe be just be finally getting rid of her? I mean, we've got five episodes left this season. I would hope that they're dealing with her by the end of it. But yeah, I, I liked how they just set the standard about like you could almost feel yourself in the characters of the clones, really. It's like the clones are agreeing with the audience. Like, we're tired of dealing with her. Let's get on with our lives. You know? Trash, bro. She's, like, she's a waste. Get rid of her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was cheering them on. I was like, please, just say we're done. We quit. Just something. Like, please. Like, we're we are so close to them finally getting rid of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so getting into the beginning of the episode and just seeing the ambiance, seeing just the shadows and the use of tension with the clone commando. and that, I, I really love that part because, yeah, we've been seeing a lot of homages uh, this season, whether it be pod racing, whether it be Indiana Jones. Uh, what was the other reference episode? I don't know. There's probably at least another one that was a big reference or something. But I don't know. I think that Star Wars always does so well with the horror i mean we've only had other one other instance of horror in star wars i believe and that was with the brain worm episode of the clone wars when they were on geonosis yep. and it was the queen and all like I, and then they were on the ship afterwards and, and that kind of reminded me of this with um uh, it was ahsoka and it was luminari on dually no 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 it was Barisofi, Barisofi. And they were cutting the power to freeze the worms. And it was just a really sinister kind of thing. I got the same vibes from this episode. And it get, leads me to believe, like, they need to make a Star Wars survival action video game, right? Like, in the in sense of, like, a Dead Space game Death with troopers. the Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Make Adapt Death Troopers. Adapt that would be a blast. And, make, and get the motive team that already worked on Star Wars. They just finished their remaster or the remake of dead space get them to work on a death trooper game <laughs> do it yeah um Man, so yeah i, I would pre i'd buy that for 100 bucks pre-order right now if they release it like seriously game on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but do you guys agree did you like the, the the tone the setting of this episode at least in the beginning whether you had more of the horror vibes yeah no it, it definitely worked if it i mean it made you think about you know what what was actually going on because i didn't anticipate this being about a zillow beast honestly i didn't think that was what they were going for i, got I was spoiled. thinking well that's something to do with like bugs or something like that something stupid but yeah. obviously like how they how they revealed it was like okay you know and what i was like all right this makes sense it's like oh zillow beast he knew if you watched the clone wars you knew how powerful that creature was and to hear that is immature Okay, it's it's not you know really like under control. It's very wild. So yeah, yeah, it was kind of annoying because I was on Disney Plus, and it, and the Zilla Beast was front and center on the banner at the top of the screen, like a clear image of the Zilla Beast. Like, come on, like let me at least get into the episode before you show the the biggest part of the episode to me. But so at that point, I was like, okay, I gotta watch this episode like right now. It's gonna be a good. I I knew this was gonna be a good episode as soon as I seen that image. I was like, okay, I'm pissed, but I mean, at least this is gonna be a good episode. I want to talk about the design of the Zilla Beast, as you mentioned, Milton. It, it was an, an immature version of the Beast, but holy crap, it looked just like a Xenomorph. <laughs> like just the way it was like craw like it was suspended from the ceiling you see like the saliva the drool and just like the way its head was like this bulbous head not as like didn't have the long neck at the time so it was basically a xenomorph in star wars like holy crap that is horrifying 
And then just seeing how it just grows over time. It's a good... I feel like this episode was a good introduction for a beloved creature in the Star Wars galaxy. For people that have not watched The Clone Wars, they understood it enough. They even made a reference to like, oh yeah, like Palpatine had this thing back before the formation of the Empire. Um, so it shows you like, okay, like clearly like they feed off electricity, power, and that gets them to be bigger and larger and larger and larger. Was this the same Zillow Beast from... This had to be the same Zillow Beast from that episode, right? In the Clone Wars? He said that they cloned it. Oh, they cloned it. Okay. Yeah, they, they cloned it. it. Yeah, they cloned it. They, they took, it was, he said it was very uh, similar genetic material of the uh, Zillow Beast back on uh, Coruscant. And he said back then, that's when Chowser Palpatine um, made the order to, you know, put it away, start this experiment. And he made a point to say before he was Emperor Palpatine. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, because because I, I was like, wait, how does the Zilla Beast go from really being super large to small again? Like, I was a little bit, okay, so completely cloned Zilla Beast, so interesting. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, wasn't there an episode, I think there was two episodes with the Zilla Beast in Clone Wars, weren't there? Like, didn't it call it like, the Zilla Beast Returns or something? That's Maybe that's part uh, two. But wasn't there a third episode where they actually like they were showing how they were experimenting on the beast too? Uh, well, no, no, they were. There was that one doctor that was working. She was like in one of those like hover car things, and it was like zapping yes. electricity. Yeah. So, so that that made me think of that too. It's like, well, they they were experimenting on. They probably killed it eventually, obviously, and like harvests material, and then obviously tried to clone it, get the the weaponry and the shielding, like they mentioned here. So, um, no, it, it definitely worked for me. I, I like this tone. So, so what do you think they're going with, with experimenting on Zillow Beast? Um, they, uh, they're using their shields for what? Like armor plating for a trooper's armor or like what? Yeah, or I ships? think that's the impression I got. Okay. It was either for armor, armor plating or some type of like armor for vehicles or whatever. I, I mean, again, this thing can handle blaster bolts and all that stuff. Like it cannot be penetrated unless it's by like a special laser or something to that extent. But um yeah i i like what they're doing it makes sense i mean i think we would do that in real life if there was a if rot i think of it as like rhino skin if rhino skin in real mm -hmm. life could not be penetrated i guarantee you the united states government or any world government would try to harvest rhinos and say hey we're going to use this for our military benefit to you know be the most powerful nations in the world then you know they would mm -hmm. so it makes sense that it took a very real life thing put it in star wars saying hey let's utilize a natural resource to try to like weaponize it mm -hmm. like that's always been like that in, in world history yeah and, and another thing to mention about this is palpatine is always obsessed with armoring clones or whatever because in the novel by timothy zahn's the thrawn alliances it takes place around attack on the clones there are um basically anakin and thrawn discover this factory that's basically creating cortosis laced armor for what will be the clone troopers down the line um so you know he's always been obsessed apparently with trying to um buff up the armor and stuff but yeah that's, that's very it's maybe it's that's like the the clone commando armor or something but yeah i just thought i just like the design i like the attitude of the creature itself um the idea about Let's talk about the idea of centralizing all the cloning to like one place. So they're like trying to bring all the assets around the galaxy 
to this one location on Mount Tantus because the Empire wants complete and utter control of all of its all of its resources from from that point on. So I thought that was really fascinating, just like seeing the Empire just completely dissolve an entire branch of itself to be like, okay, we are keeping this in-house because we have some very secretive things that can't get out of here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it makes sense why they would do it, you know, like you said, because of just the whole, the whole overall conspiracy of the Imperial government itself with Palpatine, like, you know, like you've had, I mean, heck, going back to the, um, the original Star Wars movie, you know, Tarkin talks about eliminating uh, the governors and all this stuff and whatnot. Like, that whole spiel, you know, they still had to keep the, the government system in line. So, like, them keeping these type of, like, experiments and things under wraps is important because even at this point with Palpatine's power and everything, like, if this stuff would get out, like, you could potentially have, like, a galaxy-wide revolt, like, going, like, hey, what's going on here behind the scenes like what? Why is he doing all this stuff if we're supposedly safe? Um, so I think I think it's a cool aspect that they're keeping the whole Zillaby stuff as well as like the other uh, the other Mount Tantus things under wraps, just because I think it'll contribute to the story down the line more for Bad Batch and potentially in like the Mandoverse realm of shows as well. Mm-hmm. What do we think about the overall? journey of the clones and how they got involved with this episode because my one critique about this episode and maybe this will come back to be a larger factor how the heck did sid know that like a top secret imperial ship just got stranded like what is their source on this stuff like how did they just arrive there before the empire got there first of all like that was like huh so i i that's where that threw me off a little bit where it was very convenient I'm. I, I mean, I'm happy they didn't waste time around trying to figure out where it went in the first place, but I'm also scratching my head, saying, "Okay, what what happened here? How'd they get this yeah, information?" Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like honestly, like I'm not surprised that she would know. I mean, it just makes sense for her character. Like she's resourceful. She hangs I know with sketchy people. Yeah, I was say I know we don't like her, but like she's resourceful. Um, but I, to me, it didn't really feel unusual. I mean, because there's probably so many things she does know about. Because she has resources and people in her life, so. Yeah, like, I, I really didn't have a big issue with that, personally, just because, like, I mean, I feel like there's plenty of instances in Star Wars where you could point to, that was convenience, that was convenience, that was convenience, you know, like, that sort of thing. Um, I, I mean, heck, look at, um, you know, we're talking on this cloning stuff, look at look at how Obi-Wan found Kamino, like, he he got like inspiration from that kid talking to Yo the youngling talking to Yoda and Yoda gave him some guidance. So he decided to go and like, look it up and you know, it happens to be like the only planet, like, you know, just like, I feel like there's a lot of like series of events, things that you could look into as convenience in star Wars. And you just have to like turn your head the other way on it. Cause it's like, it's like, all right. Or I mean, heck even look at, um, look at like Luke and empire strikes back. Like what are the realistic odds that Han is gonna find Luke in the middle of the Arctic, basically. Like, I don't know. It's the forest, so I just, man. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like there's the a lot of lot of like little convenience things that you could point out like that. Um, All right, true, true. Yeah. 
But like I said, yeah, I, 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 I'm going to have a very high score on this episode, but that's literally like the only thing I could think of that's like a critique for me right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of the episode, as far as the, the clones, uh, what do we think of Bad Batch's role in this episode, Ben? Um, I thought they did. I thought they did a good job with the characters, with the whole the whole crew. Um, I uh, I thought they did a good job with Omega. They didn't make her terrible like they have on several of these episodes this this year or this season so far. I thought they did a good job with her, with Hunter, um, Wrecker, like the whole crew tech. Like I think they've they've done a really good job with them this episode. It just felt I don't know about you guys, but this episode just felt natural. You know, like the episode flowed really well. The um from both the Imperial side and the Bad Batch side, like it just felt natural. Like their their story arcs, it didn't feel weird because you know we've had episodes prior where it's like oh Omega's like uh, you know look at the episode a couple weeks ago when Omega's like oh you know she keeps falling for these people like oh you know I want to help this guy out I want to help this bad guy out I want to help this bad guy out like like a lot of dumb decision making in this episode I feel like there wasn't just dumb decision making it was a just a good like if if they could just stick to this model, stick to this model of this episode, we would have an incredible show for 16 episodes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So they're they're trying to build up um as Milton cleverly, you know, pointed out, right? Just failure. I mean, look at this season, literally is failure. The, the, they failed every single mission. They've really driven it to us probably in excess amounts were okay maybe we didn't need as many of those missions where they failed and it could have propelled the plot a little bit further because there's not a lot of plot in this in, in this season there's a lot more character and arguably i wish there was a little bit more character one thing that keeps getting me going is they were hinting at boba fett season one and boba fett has not been mentioned once this entire season so I'm, I, I guess they just completely dropped that storyline, unfortunately. But that was something I was really looking forward to. But that's neither here nor there. Um, as far as this episode, the back half of this episode was awesome because it, it basically morphed from like a horror movie to like a big budget action movie, disaster movie, where you have basically, whether it be Godzilla, King Kong, literally there's the same shot of like him up on the the big uh, antenna building there. And it was so fun seeing like this thing causing havoc and, and just like a callback to the Clone Wars where it's causing havoc in, in Coruscant. I I loved how we've seen the Empire come in. I think that was the first time we've seen like the newer, like unpainted versions of the Venator class Star Destroyers coming in and just unleashing all of the, um, the LATs. Great shots. I love those shots of this, the swooping in of the ships and just how the empire was surrounding them, and 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 they already like they were obviously trained on how to take this thing down. They're like, oh yeah, we've done this a few times. Like, oh don't worry, we'll just fire our laser beams, and and it'll shrink, and we'll or, or he'll fall, and we'll get him. So, I liked how fast and methodical the empire was with dealing with that situation, but also the very dark effects of what the heck is going to happen to all those people. Because they don't want word of this getting out, right? They they can't have anybody out there spreading these rumors and, the, and these lies, God forbid, to the galaxy. So they, they're going to take these people. What's going to happen to them? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you heard them say, like, they'll deal with it, deal with those people. Like, so, I mean, it's the Empire, so 
if we think about it, like in terms of canon wise, they're they're getting shipped to the uh, the um, the Andor factories. I bet. Are we sure? Are they are they at out? Are they at Mount Tantus? I was under the assumption that they're going to go to Mount Tantus, and if that was the case, I hate to say it because oh. they would be basically human experiments at that point. Right, right. Oh, that's true. I mean, they could be going to Mount Tantus as well. Yeah, I mean, Mount Tantus or like the factories. Um, All yeah, I know is that they're dead. They're, they're probably yeah, going to be dead. Yeah. No, no more freedom. Yeah, it's over for them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's right. Like this, I mean, as bad as that is to sound, like I like when Dar like Star Wars gets dark and, and a little bit like gritty like this. I mean, I don't know. That, I like what I like. And, and, and when it comes to this more you know, realistic kind of I wouldn't call it realistic, but to me, this is this is the stuff I like. And that's why I like Andor so much, because it covered the same sort of territory in, like all the time. So for me, it was cool seeing like the Bad Batch. And we know that the Bad Batch is all over the place, right? You can have that crazy episode of racing. Then you have the Crosshair episode where there's a hostage and they're taking her out and all this stuff. And then you get an episode like this where they're taking the civilians, innocent civilians out of there. We don't know what's happening. So it's like, holy crap, this show really goes places and it has some things to say. And I got to appreciate it for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to appreciate it. For the efforts on these episodes but to me it's like it points to a lot of things of um i don't know about you guys but I, I view it like this so we have 16 episodes to play with for this series if you want to do to have some of these dark darker things in there you could easily include more of them and just sprinkle in a few of the light-hearted one-off random episodes so if you have 16 episodes you could break the season up into four parts and do three on point like serious type stories and then one light-hearted la-di-da throwaway episode and that would balance it pretty well like a 12 to 4 ratio would be a good a good setup and i'm not saying like go super dark every single episode like 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 this you know taking out civilians and stuff or, or hostage situation in the one but like you know i feel like they could lean into that more especially when you have an experienced group of special like special commando clone troopers like the bad batch are like you know we could do to me the bad batch they could be doing so much more than just said missions mm. and if we ever get a season three i'm pretty sure like they're gonna be with the rebellion at that point or something and to be fair we go back to the premise of what the bad batch was all about and in that statement it literally says, like, a group of mercenaries making their way for the galaxy. So I can't exactly fault them, because they're sticking to their mission statement. These are a bunch of mercenaries. They're really bad at being mercenaries, but they're mercenaries nonetheless that are going through the galaxy. What's to say? Maybe they won't ever join a rebellion. And that's why Echo left, because he said, these guys got no hope. Um, I need to do something more. They're obviously been reminded time and time again they're not going to budge. I'm going to do my own thing. But I, I can at least see that they're not going to be with Sid anymore. But yeah, here we go again. It, like I, I get it, Ben. But yeah, they are really good at what they do. When they put their minds together, they they actually overcome a lot of obstacles, a lot of barriers that yeah, maybe the normal grunt couldn't be able to get past because they don't have the experience in the training. So yeah, for me, that, that, that makes sense. Oh yeah, for sure. I think I... Uh... I agree, and and you know that's a good point that you brought up. I didn't even think about 
you know, the door was open for them to join the rebellion already. So it makes me wonder if we're not going to actually get them joining whatsoever and just continuing to be like one-off mercenaries. Mm -hmm. uh, a cool little, um, little Easter egg, if you will. So that one multicolored commando has been confirmed as Scorch. It's literally in the credits. I know the first season he was unnamed and people were like, is he, is he not? And it's nice to have a concrete answer, which means, you know what that means. I'm going to go back and I'm going to play Republic Commando because it is now canon. Yep. Probably not all hey. the way, but I, you know, at, at least the character from that thing is in there. So I'm more interested to go back and play the game to be like, okay, what was so cool about that character now? <laughs> well, you know what that means? That means we need the final episode, which is titled Clone Force 99, we need that to be them versus the Republic Commando squad. Yeah, I remember we were we were um, speculating at the end of yeah. season one. We were like, they're big, bad. Who are you going to get to go against Bad Batch? But the actual uh, Delta Force, uh, Republic yeah. Commando Delta group, Force. they're yeah. perfectly synergized as far as they're the opposites. That'd be cool to see them hunting and, and butting heads in a couple episodes throughout the season. We shall see. I think all signs point to the Bad Batch might even end up on Tantus at some point. I really think. Especially oh, yeah. if especially if Omega, and now we'll talk about Omega. Especially if Omega gets captured, they gotta bring her there. That's where everything else is. And if that's there, they gotta pose a rescue mission. And guess what? I hate to say it, but nobody's getting out of that place alive. They can't. No one can get out of that place alive because no one has to know that the Empire... No one can know that the Empire has experiments there. You know? Yeah. They, I mean, we don't... Yeah. But to be fair, we don't know that the thing existed during the original trilogy. It's not to say, like, oh, it was kept under wraps like we never heard about it. Maybe right. they did dismantle it before Luke's time and all them. But I was just under assumption that this thing is going to be reference in mando and it'll be like a new location that has been under wraps this entire time the rebellion never even knew about it but yeah it could be a very um if it could be a very bad thing going into this um if anybody ends up there it's like they're probably getting out alive i agree i mean that, that's a good theory oh yeah for for sure and, and i'm interested to see we, we look we've seen some dark things like you know, the hostage things, some like this episode, it just makes me wonder if we're finally going to get a death from one of the main crew from, I, and I feel like if anybody, it's going to be Hunter just because he's like the leader and it'll be like a noble sacrifice or something, something like that. Um, it just makes me really wonder if we're going to get a death like that eventually. Um, but yeah, we all know Omega's getting captured this coming week. Like let's, let's be real. That's, that's coming. Um, and then she'll get captured this week, probably. And then the following week, it'll be like the Bad Batch is trying to like get someone from Sid to help, and it'll <laughs> probably be that bad guy we reference from from the pod racing episode. Yeah, he'll right. probably be like, "Oh, I know where something or another is." And then you know we'll finally get to Omega, you know, three weeks from now, probably. I think I know what's gonna happen. Uh, it's just uh, this is not the best kind of podcasting. That's for speculating because, like, the episode could come out on Wednesday where, like, all this time was spent for nothing. But yeah. I think all signs could be pointing toward Omega getting turned in by Sid to the Empire. She betrays the Bad Batch, gives Sid up to the Empire, and then that's how it happens. But, you know, 
we got a whole nother show to talk about, so we're going to yeah. give our final thoughts and score out of 10. I'll, I'll throw this one off. You know, I already put it out there. So it's going to be a high score. I'm giving this one a 9 out of 10. This one is up there with uh, was the mid-season finale. The mid-season finale was excellent. The Crosshair episode was excellent. I, I still enjoyed the Kashyyyk episode, but yeah, this one is a 9 out of 10. It had great tone, great thematics, uh, themes there, really cool homages to... Jurassic Park to Alien to Godzilla had great galaxy resounding answers that we've been looking for ever since the season one finale. What the hell is that place called? Oh, it literally is Tantus. So we got a lot of great information and a lot of great plot development now knowing that Omega is in more danger than ever being sought out specifically by the Empire for their devious deeds. I'll throw it over to Milton. Final thoughts and score out of 10. Yeah, I, I think this is one of the better episodes this season. I felt that had a really good direction. I liked how it was laying out, you know, uh, various directives and, and, and narrative storylines for the upcoming uh, remaining season. I do agree, like you mentioned, it should have been probably the premiere, premiere episode, most likely, because it would have been a good tone setter um, for the season. Overall, I like this episode. I can't put it with the Palpatine episodes. They were so good. Um, I like the Crosshair episode, obviously. So I think I gave those nine or tens from what I remember. So yep. I'm going to give this one probably an 8.25. There we go. 8.25 specific there on the decimals. Throw it over to you, Ben, for our final score yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, um, those are really good points you both made. I think for me, I just really enjoyed the episode as a whole. It was engaging. It was. It was captivating, and, you know, it just made me actually look forward to next week's episode. Like I said, I haven't been able to really say that for most of this season, so that's that's a nice feeling to actually be excited for something for once With versus, like, you know, how many weeks, guys, have we gone into the Bad Batch going, oh, this is like a chore? I mean, we, t we talked about it, you know, weeks prior where, I, I mean, look, like 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 you, Milton, for example, you were, you were watching the Bad Batch episodes an hour or two before our podcast on Fridays because it wasn't really a priority because it was just like, you know, whatever. Like, who cares? Like, it is what it is. So the fact that this episode was engaging and, and really good like that, it got us um, kind of back on board with the show, I would say, almost, in a, in a really good positive way. And then just overall, I thought the episode was good. Like you, like you mentioned, Chris, like the Jurassic Park references, like it just felt really good. And then the fact that they just brought the Zilla Beast in, like, I mean, we got to love it. That's, that's a question we've been asking since Clone Wars. Like, where is this thing? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, with all that being said, I will have to give this a nine out of 10. There you go. So high scores all around for Bad Batch. It, this has been, this season too has been the explanation or the epitome of a roller coaster ride up and down, up and down, up and down. So we will look with great interest for next week's episode 12. And here's the big one. We're finally talking about it. Mandalorian season three, the premiere episode, chapter 17, the apostate. I'm going to throw an audible. I'm going to throw it over to Milton for your first thoughts on this one. I think I usually have been starting off first thoughts, but we'll go to you first. Yeah, I would say I have, I have a very similar point like I made with uh, Bad Batch invested. Like, I, I legit felt invested with this episode. And it was a good premiere episode. I, I, think, I think that's what I said. I think I said in our group mm -hmm. chat, I like the, really like the beginning. 
really liked the ending and the middle was good. You know, it's, it was setting up things. It was getting it prepared for like, okay, this is Mando. He's back. He's setting the tone. Um, I like the direction. I like the visuals. I keep forgetting this is only a streaming platform of a show, but the budget says otherwise. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a film budget. I don't care mm-hmm. what anyone tells me. It's a film budget because literally you look at all the other shows that we've had for Disney Plus for Star Wars related, and you know there was the, they don't have the budget like they did for the show. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense because this is the flagship show of Star Wars. It's a flagship show of Disney Plus. So I loved how it looked. I loved the music. I loved mm-hmm. the, the very... Um, it felt like we were back with old friends. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I liked this episode a lot. It was really, really good beginning and at the end. The middle was slow for me at times, but I think they did that on purpose just to set up things. Um, so yeah, I liked this episode. I was very pleased with what I watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, as far as my initial impressions, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said, Milton. I was in from before the credits or even stopped because it was something that they switched up where they had the hammering sound before. As the title card was coming up, like, oh, that's different. This is not usual. This is something special going on. What the heck is happening? And uh, I was worried. I'll be honest, I didn't tell you guys yet, but I, I was worried with that first sequence. I was like, ooh, this is not this is not going good right now for this show. And we're going to get into it. But my overall thoughts are, yeah, this is a good way to set up a season. Um, as you said, Milton, I feel invested enough to be like, okay, I'm happy that we're not grasping for straws here, being like a bunch of stuff thrown at us at once and being like, oh, what is going on here? What is going on here? As we said last week, um, it turns out the rumors were correct. This was a very short premiere of an episode, and we know that it's not indicative of the quality by any means, because this felt more like a 45-minute long episode, at least on the first watch. I watch it twice now. Um, but there's a lot of characters, a lot of character, a decent amount of characters, um, but there's a lot of locations, right? We go into like three different locations in this one episode, which definitely helps make it feel a little bit larger in scope. And it definitely was a larger scope in story. Uh, just all the characters that Mandalorian is uh, familiar with already. We're getting new characters in this Captain Goran or whatever his name is, the big uh, swamp thing guy that we're going to get into a little bit here. But yeah, it wasn't, I'll be honest, wasn't blown away. And that's okay because this show, I think at this point, doesn't need to blow us away because it's done that enough with like the big cameos in season one and season two. So while it's a little bit of a downer for me that we didn't get like some big like, oh my gosh, this is going to break the internet moment. I think it does bode well for the show to be like, look, okay, we don't need those moments to sell the show and to make it feel like it's a it's a good setup for this season. So yeah, solid start for me so far. What about you, Ben? Oh yeah, for me... It was a uh, it was a it was a really good start as always. Watched it at three a.m. You know, so that's uh, just to uh, a a test right there. Like for me, liking it at three a.m. is a good sign, considering when I was watching Bad Batch at three a.m., I was not liking that show at all. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I I really enjoyed it. Like it was fun. Like we like you said, the the episode length was short. Which I've seen people say, oh, well, that's like my only critique of the episode. My thing with that (laughs) is, like, would we rather have a five-hour episode with a bunch of junk in it and a bunch of filler and, and, you know, drag it on? Like, like I always use the example. I know it's not, like, 
popular to say, but I'm not a huge fan of the Pattinson Batman movie because I just feel like it's drug out. It's almost three hours long, and I just I don't like it. So, like, to me, if they would cut that movie down to two hours, I'd probably like it. So I don't mind that the episode was shorter. And, uh, yeah, I thought they did a good job with reintroducing us back into the back into the star wars universe the mandoverse like it just it just felt um you know as you as you pointed out milton it felt like we were back with old friends and to me like it really felt like star wars was back like it's been a while because like i said i had random messages from people i haven't talked to in so long saying hey have you watched the new mando episode or mando's back or you know stuff like that so those type of things are great and also you know we got to keep this in mind too uh, Chris, like you bring up, like the, the, like there was no like big potential like internet breaking thing like Boba Fett or Grogu in the mm. first episode of season one, like things like that. But the thing is, when it comes to this show, you know, it's so established now. Now they can do a premiere like that and be fine. And, and to, to be realistic, like you know, those type of those the the character cameos like Boba Fett um, to open the season. You know, that that can be huge for, like, us hardcore fans. And, of course, it's huge for the, the mainstream audience. But let's be real, guys. Like, the, the, moment, the moment for the mainstream audience was Baby Yoda hugging the Babu Frick uh, species character. Like, you know, that was the internet-breaking thing. Like, I've seen oh, that yeah. meme. And I've seen that gif everywhere. Everywhere I've seen that gif of Grogu hugging him. So, like, the thing is... That's literally all they need to do to break the internet. Basically, is <laughs> like do little cute things like that here and there. If they don't have, if they don't have a big cameo, that is, of course, you know, if you have a cameo, it changes things. But in terms of the episodes where there's not, you know, you still have this episode still had a solid story to it. It had a good setup for the season of where we're heading to next. And then, of course, you had you know some great moments with with Mando um, and, and Grogu and the and the other characters involved, such as uh, Carl we- or uh, Grieve Karga and you know some of the other characters. Like I, I thought it was a really well done episode. Yeah, I, I, what I really like about this episode is the fact that we have already multiple plot threads: uh, plot A, plot B, plot C. Right, plot A obviously very simple, very cut and dry, not a lot of nuance. Okay, Mando's got to go back to Mandalore. And he's got to bathe in the light waters of whatever and do whatever. and, and But then along the way, he's already given side quests, as if you will. This reminded me a lot of a video game, right? It was like, which season one was very much like, okay, he's going to hand in a quest and get more armor or, or a new weapon, something what like that. Model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like, okay, we got IG-11. That's going to be another another side story of him putting him together. That was that was a cool thing we'll dwell on in a few minutes here. And then the fact that there's pirates also messing with Navarro, that's a whole nother can of worms that's now being opened. So I, I really enjoy the fact that we're getting these side plots here that help enrich the season and make it feel larger than just a smaller scope on one character. Right. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I like that we do have those multiple plots being, you know, fed into the, 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 the show. Um, yeah. I do, I do think it's funny every time I hear like when he mentioned, you know, bathing in the waters. I always think of Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle has the uh, Rick James Prince joke about like uh, purifying yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka, and I always laugh every time I hear that joke. And um, that's when he said about I need to go to Mandalore 
and get in the waters and I'm like, oh my God, like this is a funny Dave Chappelle joke if, if he was watching this. <laughs> um, but like, I, I, I do like the, um, I do like the Laura, the Laura of Mandalore. I, I'm curious to see that. And I think obviously Clone Wars has really, really heightened what Mandalore is in this show. And what I'm saying is, if you watch Clone Wars, if you're a fan of that show, the whole Mandalore arc in Clone Wars was great. You know, you had the Death Watch and all them. Because you even hear, uh, what's her face? Um, Katie Sackhoff's character. I, I should know this. Yeah, Bo-Katan. She talks about, like, it being a cult. And mm -hmm. that, she's, yeah. she's thrown that word out there multiple times when mm -hmm. she's on screen. It's like, that's how Clone Wars was with, like, you know, Death Watch and you know, their, their cultish behavior and then wanting to bring back the old ways of Mandalore and blah, blah, blah. And now you have, obviously, you know, Din Djarin's people and how they are with the old traditional ways of Mandalore. And then you have Katie Sackhoff characters. Like, she's like, no, that's that's that cultish crap. Like, I take my helmet off. Here's another thing. I, I Maybe you guys can help me with this. I'm sorry. There's no way I'm keeping my helmet on the whole time. Like, I'm sure that helmet is hot. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's no way. So that like I do think it's foolish that they are punishing him for this. However, I get that's their that's their religious aspect of how they're looking yep. at this. So I, I get it. Like I understand it. Just it is kind of foolish when you really think about it. I understand how it works for the show. Yeah, yeah, and, and what's nice about this episode is the fact that we get to see that initiation ceremony, baptism, if you will, basically is what it was. I enjoyed that because it's getting the viewers out there be like, all right, this is how Din Djarin became who he was. And I was actually confused. And I think a lot of other people were. I was like, I thought it oh, was Baby Din at first. Yeah, that's what I thought I was. I thought I was Baby Din Djarin. I was like, wait, what time period is this? But so that was neat being able to see what was what was going on from their perspective. And then, um, you know, juxtaposing that to seeing Bo-Katan just like lying on that throne, helmet off. Uh, just chilling there. Um, it was interesting, though, that that planet wasn't Mandalore. I think a lot of us were thinking in the trailers that shot of her on the throne was like the Mandalorian throne. I thought it was at least, but it's like Kalamala or something like that, which is, I think, a new planet in Star Wars. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I, th I think that's a totally new planet in Star Wars. It's supposed to be like in the Mandalorian system, I believe, like around our Mandalore system, somewhere around there from what I've heard. Um, but... But yeah, like that's that was like an interesting sequence seeing her there. And it, it is, it's really interesting. Like the whole aspect with Din with his helmet, like I guess that shows you then again, you know, like to like kind of counter your point, Milton, like or to throw a counter argument out there to your point. Like that just shows you, you know, how dedicated like Din is to like his beliefs, like his belief systems, basically. So like I can like respect it, but it's like, man, like you said. <laughs> That that thing's got to be getting hot. Like unless he has like a little button you click and it's like air conditioning inside his helmet yeah. or something. Because it's like it's it is it's really interesting the fact that they that he does that. And also another thing, guys, to throw out there. I mean, I, it may sound comical saying this, but like so whenever we get to that point, because we know eventually Din's probably going to get to the the waters, or whatever the mystical waters or whatever they're called. Like, is he going to like? take off all his armor and wear his helmet into the water. Like, you know, like, I don't, I don't know how it works for the man. <laughs> that, that, goes back, that goes back to my point of how silly it sounds. Cause it's like, you know, you got, you got to eat, got to bathe, 
you know what I'm saying? Like, why? It, well, we already goofy. seen him. Yeah, yeah. I know he takes it off, but they showed his head. Coming back. I get that. It's like, it's like they're so bizarre about it. I mean, and again, I will say yeah. one of the my favorite parts of this episode was seeing the boy get the helmet and him like in a doctrine in that faith in that religion, you know. But it's like, all right, so you're telling me when you're about to have relations with somebody, you got to keep the helmet on. Leave the helmet <laughs> on. Yeah, because if, if I'm trying to talk to a Mando chick on the low, I'm taking my helmet off. I got to see her face. You feel me? So, like, they, hey, that, 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 those people got to reproduce. So, no, they're, they're just a society that wears masks uh, when, they're, when they're doing the dirty. Nah, nah, bro. <laughs> nope, nope. Because you know what? My luck would be if I'm, if I'm one of those people messing with a Mando chick that got a busted up face and busted up teeth. I ain't about that life. So, nah. I, I gotta see. I, I gotta see your face. Take, take your helmet off. Speaking of helmets, <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah, speaking of helmets, here's a little nitpick. I, I feel like I've been doing this a lot tonight, but uh, the helmet of the kid, just the quality, just looked like something from Hasbro. I don't know about you guys, but I was okay, like I, a I, little thrown I off. Part of that. What? Okay, I liked it. I. I, the quality of the helmet is what it is, but I do like that they added the detail. You hear the helmet like sh like sealing and everything. Oh, like, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. those little details, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because somebody on Twitter put a picture of the helmet, and they're like, "Yeah, this is literally something you could buy for fifteen dollars at Walmart." <laughs> they showed like the because it's got like the wider view lens. So I get. I mean, it makes sense. Like the more I think about it, it's like maybe it's not as much of a dock for me because on points for me because it's just like. All right, so if it's a kid, they need more visibility because they just got the helmet. They got to see it more around them. But for me, I think it was mainly like how wide it looks like it would be like a as if somebody created like a knockoff like Mandalorian helmet. Well, another thing to throw out there about that scene, I honestly thought, um, I don't know about you guys, but see, I was thinking, of course, I was thinking it was it was baby Din. I was thinking that, but then I thought I thought it was going to be like the um, kind of the oh technically like eventually we would get to a point in the series where he would like say to the armor technically i didn't finish my um my oath or whatever like you know because he didn't that kid didn't complete the the whole oath for the mandalorian so that kid basically is if he's still alive at the moment like that kid is basically um He's not part of that that cult, like he. So he's just like a normal person with Mandalorian armor. So at first, I was thinking maybe that that's how they're gonna work around Din's thing. Like, oh, technically, I didn't say that, but uh, but then it ended up just being a kid. <laughs> as far as the plot, the plot A, if we will, of oh, going to bathe in the waters. I don't know. It, I'll take it as it is for face value, but it just. It's just always so weird to be like, like I try to take myself as like the nerd out of the equation. Like, oh yeah, we we as Star Wars fans know what the heck that is. Like, like can you imagine, like the the everyday person watching this show be like, what the heck is the mission? He's got to go in this place and wash himself, and then comes out and he's fine again. Like, 
like for me it's just a little bizarre but that's star wars for you i mean we got yeah, wizards in space with lightsabers so hey that's what it is yeah. but <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's that's why like honestly i i grew a bo katan on this like i think it's very weird and cultish yep now again it's, it's very fascinating and that's how real life religion is you know uh i mean there's different sects of sectors of christianity mm -hmm. like brethren lutheran yeah um you know, you got the Catholic viewpoint, you got, you know, Baptist, you got the Pentecostal, all that. So understand that there's different viewpoints and pathways to take in religion. Like I said, you know, bro, you, you're not making me keep a helmet on. Say that right now. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, look, I, I think being a Mandalorian is pretty dope, pretty cool. I will, if Star Wars was real. Know if I had to be a part of that particular group, yeah, that'd be cool because I feel like it's very much a brotherhood, family, tight knit community. Great, we we will all love that. However, I'm like, listen, I got to be able to show my face off. I, I got delicate skin, so let me take my helmet off, people. <laughs> I'd, be with, yeah, I'd be I'd be with Katie Sackoff's playing a Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. As well, I, thing, just like the practicality of it. Like, I don't know about you, man, but like. I don't want to be sitting there eating a bag of chips. What am I going to do? Put a chip in my mouth, put my helmet down. Put a chip in my mouth, put the helmet down. Put a chip in my mouth, put the helmet down. Like, what? Like, what's going on here? Like, uh, it's just... I, I don't know. It's it, it is, or, it's funny, or, but like... Do you, do you have to about... keep it on? Do you have to keep it on when you're, when you're taking a smash on the toilet? So I'm not trying to be wearing a helmet when I'm trying to take a, a crap. All right? So, <laughs> no. Man, no, that would get hot. <laughs> exactly. I'm stripping down. Okay, I'm taking the helmet off. Done. That's my private time. Practicality of Mandalorian armor podcast. Oh no, it's it's this is the way you gotta keep it on when you're pooping. Nah, I'm Mel good. Mel you're, Melton would be sitting on the toilet sending a Snapchat going, This is the way. <laughs> you might as well kick me out the coat, because that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> yeah, um, as I alluded to off the bat here, I was a little bit worried within the first, I don't know, ten minutes of the episode because yeah, we got this cool sequence of the kid, and then it was a big creature fight, and I was like, I literally just said, like, oh no, is this, is this what they're, they're gonna fill in, like, half the episode with these random Mandalorians just shooting this gigantic alligator? That's what I was like, oh my gosh, like, has this, is this what it has come to? It's just, like, a blaster fight with the freaking, I, I was sick, I was like, how is this, like, pushing the story for? How is this really doing anything at this point for the story because it's just like, yeah, why would you have your ceremony, first of all, on a beach when you should have had an idea there's like a vicious creature that's the size of a freaking yacht weighing in late for you to go into water and kill you. Like, I don't, I, but, but luckily, luckily, that's when Mando showed up. And I, once he did, I was like, okay, I understand, like, this was meant to show the power of the Mandalorian. He comes in, everybody was fighting, dying, and he comes in with his fighter and just de decimates it. Like, that's like him getting respect. And from that moment on, I was like, okay, I I'm down with this. But up until that point, I was like, oh no, like, do we wait three years for just like a giant creature fight for 15 minutes? That makes no sense. Like, that to I me got me a little bit. But then on the second watch, then I was able to actually enjoy it because then I realized, oh, there's all these awesome looking Mandalorians fighting together and we've seen Mandalorians fighting together in episode three but I, I'd say there's a lot more of them and there's a lot more time watching them whether it be using the whip cords whether it be using the flamethrowers whether it be using the the wrist rockets and everything in between 
a lot of courageous moments of like the armor running in, getting the kid, and then the kid getting pushed out of the way as uh, uh, what's his face, the big heavy Mandalorian uh, comes in and like fires at the mouth of the thing. So I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but at, at least no. at first I was like, okay, where's this going, kind of thing. I actually I thought it was a flashback originally. I uh, thought I was thinking, well, okay, this is how Den came part of the group. I was like, mm -hmm. but then obviously with him coming in with the ship, I was like, oh yeah, he's going to use this maybe as a redemption point. Mm. Um, to 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 counter your argument, not argument, but your viewpoint on you know them being in the water and that type of thing. I thought it was a cool ceremony. I was like, oh, this is cool. Let's see how they become like indoctrinated in this religion or faith. Uh huh. Um, I. Preacher reminded me of like the Lake Placid, uh, Lake Placid, like uh, yeah. alligator. Oh yeah, like, oh, that's exactly God. what I thought too, Milton. I was like, Same. son, exactly. exactly. I'm like, let's go, and then he just couldn't kill it. And then all of a sudden, when Mando shows up, I was like, oh, this is tight. That's when I knew I was like, okay, we must, we're gonna be in for a good season because it's good action, it's some good storytelling. I like this. It, it, it kept me invested. I'm like, all right, this is dope. Then mm -hmm. obviously, like I said, it, it, it kind of fell off a little bit in the middle for me. Overall, I love that beginning of the, of the episode. Okay. Personally, for me, I, I have kind of a different angle on it um, from both of you guys, actually. Hmm. I think I think it was a really good moment for the episode, for a lot of the audience as a whole, potentially um, the mainstream audience, because I think this could plant the seed in a lot of people's heads. Like, this is what Den had to go through. Like, this is... Even though that kid wasn't Din, that was Din, like, getting indoctrinated. Like, you know, them just showing the strictness of that. Like, you know, solidifying the whole cult aspect. Because, you know, we talk about the cult and, like, you know, potentially the general audience. Like, wondering what's going on with this cult thing, like we mentioned earlier. But I think, you know, the, the main point of that whole sequence was to solidify the audience. Like, hey, this is what Din is dealing with, like... Like, this is, like, the cult he's in. Like, this is how he grew up. You know, it's solidifying that whole aspect of his character that it's, like, you know, he had to get indoctrinated into this cult. You know, I mean, you hear um, the armor, like, giving this strict speech to this mm -hmm. little kid. And it's, like, man, so, you know, a kid, that realistically, probably doesn't even know, know the choices they're making at that point. So, you know, the fact that they're committing to this thing, like, that was pretty much... Like, to me, anyways, that's... It was kind of, like, their lens to show a lot of the audience what Din had to go through when he was a kid. Yes, uh, Paz Vizsla. That was the Mandalorian, the heavy oh, yeah. Mandalorian thing. There we go. The, the voice by Jon Favreau himself. But, yeah, no, that, like I said, I, off the bat, I enjoyed that the fact that we're diving in. Like you said, Milton, um, it's great to see that we're getting really deep into that Mando culture that we had that first represented to us because um, Mandalorians go way back, right? Obviously before Clone Wars, they were seen as the warrior people going all the way back to the, the, the time of the old Republic. I mean, you've seen vastly different kinds of Mandalorians back then. They were all warrior-like and well, we're basically seeing the warrior-like ones back with the, with both sides, whether it be Bo-Katan, whether it be uh, the, the children, what are they called? The children of the watch now? Yep. Okay. Yes. Yeah, like so, so them. Um, let's get into the middle area. So this is where I think the show really shines for me because it shows the power of Felonian Favreau and tying into so many corners of the galaxy, whether it be 
into, um, dare I say it, the Rise of Skywalker with bringing in the Anzellans to IG-11 to a lot of different factors around the Star Wars universe, which I, I just really enjoy the way they put in Easter eggs, the way they build off of things that we didn't even get anything with the Empire in this. It was really cool. Um, just seeing what's happening with Navarro, just seeing again, like that level up perspective. Okay, season two, things were better. Season three, the place is almost unrecognizable. I mean, there's so much grandeur and it's it's part of the Hydean Way, which is a nice reference to the Old Republic, a, a, a very famous trade route and hyperspace travel there. So it's really cool seeing how well Grief Karga is doing. He's doing so well, he even has droids holding up his cape as he's walking down the street. <laughs> so this guy's... But it's really cool because it's bringing us that story where Mando, maybe he should settle down. And Grief Karga is just giving him this lecture and, and offering him a piece of land. Like, he could just literally stay here and live like a king, essentially, but he is very honor-bound by what he wants to do, and it comes back to the importance of where he comes from, the people that saved him, the Mandalorians. But, yeah, I want to get your thoughts overall on, on what you thought of this little interlude at Navarro, and, and uh, yeah. It was okay. Um, like, I, I just... I, I know why it was there. It, it, it made a, it, was, it served its purpose. I get it. They were trying to set up things things as you mentioned when it comes to like certain uh story plots but i was just like eh, just, yeah. I, I don't i wasn't really invested in this part of it now they did drop a couple good like you know um character things about uh what's her face um Dune. yes like what happened to her what happened to gideon how come they didn't like ask someone from the old Re or new republic to come be a sheriff or yeah marshal or whatever um yeah, like it was nice to hear those things, but it was kind of funny too. Something, oh wait, yeah, she really got recruited. You know, obviously we know her situation. But, um, yeah, it was good hearing some of those little things being yeah. thrown out there. However, I just felt kind of just okay with this certain part of these this episode. I was like, all right, like I know he wants his robot. I know he's trying to get this figured out, but it's like, all right, it was kind of a waste. I felt, but then I'm like, it was necessary. I would say would have made it better. It could have mm -hmm. tightened it up, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to it, it was great getting the backstory, a little bit of um, uh, exposition right on the galaxy about Moff Gideon. He's at a New Republic tribunal. You know, Cara Dune, I like the way they handled it. It wasn't like, oh, she's just dead by some pirate or something. Like, yeah, she's out there. Maybe one day... She'll come back somehow. Maybe Disney will make an agreement. If that's the case, she'll come back. If not, then we don't ever have to see her again. So I like how it was more of an open ended, but at least we kind of know what the character what the character is up to at this point. So I feel like both parties on the matter maybe are both satisfied by that. Who knows? Yeah, I think the the interesting point with the Cara Dune thing was you know based on the way like John and Dave have talked recently. And then, you know, now the way they resolved it in this episode, it just makes you wonder if eventually down the road, they're, they they purposely left the door open to potentially bring her back because they didn't slam it shut. You know, like you said, they didn't say, oh, she died in a in a ship explosion or something like, you know, so they left the door open. But the interesting part is, I mean, he said uh, she's with like 
the rebel special forces like on a mission or something i think is what he said so it just makes you wonder like what exactly they're setting up with the rebellion as a whole too based off that conversation so um you know you have that little breadcrumb in there um and i know oh that, that's another thing to throw out there as well like this week i actually listened to the and a uh, an interview with emily swallow who plays the armor and she talked about how like john and dave are like laying breadcrumbs all throughout these this series like mm. for fans pick up on like she she did like volunteer that information they're purposely like putting out breadcrumbs for the audience so it makes me wonder like what little tidbits and things like we're leading up to um and then i don't know about you guys but i i'm kind of anxious now about grief cargo and carl weathers because carl weathers is such a good actor like he's so Mm -hmm. he's so positive and everything but now it makes me anxious because i know i'm going to be so sad when because I just feel like he has the makings of the perfect character, like, because he's like the mentor character for Mando, kind of. Like, he's like the perfect character to get killed off to, like, you know, push Mando further into action or something. So it's just like, man, it's going to be so sad whenever if he does get taken out eventually, because Carl Weathers plays him so well. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we have to have at least at least once a season, you have to have him saying, hey, Mando, like, you know, yeah. he always does. Um, and then the fact that, like, He's just so confident in himself. He's he's mm. having his droids carry his cape and stuff. Like, like I, I just think they did a really good job with that part of the episode. I personally didn't have a problem with it. Um, and I just I like the setup, like you said, Chris. Like the the little tidbits, like the IG droid statue thing. Like you know the speed, the different species. Just like checking out how Navarro has been kind of like reborn to a degree, mm-hmm. uh, because. You know, we've had multiple years since, like, the first season of Mando, like, in real time. And then, like, you know, after, you know, reviewing the tape of, like, the controversial tape of John and Dave talking about how many years have gone by. Like, for my interpretation, for any of our listeners that may look into that stuff. So, John basically said, like, that the, the time that's passed in Mando is basically, like, equivalent to our real lifetime. So, basically, th- it's three years since season one basically so Mm. you know so basically that's it's cool just seeing that progression of them going from like you know how crappy navarro was to like it like you said it's like blossoming and like turning into an actual safe space now i mean i mean gosh they have a school yeah they have a school we've seen that we've seen that the last uh last season as well when grogu was stealing the little blue cookies from the kid with the force that was that was a lot of fun um, as far as the school, we could talk about, I guess, the pirates at this point, since we're already talking about the school. That was something that I sort of also had a problem with, because I feel like, what the, these guys, I mean, maybe it was a show's prerogative or whatever to specifically point out how stupid these guys were. <laughs> I think how idiotic they were to be like, oh, this is not a bar anymore. We're going to shoot you. Ha ha ha. Like, it was just a very random encounter. But it was so Star Wars in that way where I was like, I can't really fault it on how it was handled, the situation. But, and going back to Grief Karga, seeing how he was in action, just like this guy, you know, he looks like maybe he... 
he's still got it, right? Like, oh yeah, he could easily just be settled down and lost his touch because he's dealing with like governing this place and all that. But no, he's still a scoundrel like he's always been. He's still the guy that was holding the whole bounty guild together even after the, the fall of the Empire. So this guy still has it. And it's great to see Grief Karga in the first episode because that bodes well for him to be i think he's gonna be a lot more prominent than season two i think anything will beat his appearance in season two he was only literally in one episode uh, the fact that he's directing i think one of the episodes about halfway through the season usually that's probably the episode he's going to be in as well so i could see him almost maybe even as a regular um this season but getting more into the pirates uh first off um another bone to pick with uh maybe lucasfilm star wars uh, why does every pirate have to be a Klaatuian? a um what is it called a um the the, the tentacle guy with the face a quarren yep. <laughs> uh a nikto a weak way it's like they picked the same four guys like favro and filoni love those four aliens as pirates and their their whole species has been given a bad rap because of these two creators but i i had to point that out because i just chuckled to myself every time that like, these guys are getting uh, typecasted as the worst people in the galaxy. Um, I'm sure there's some good ones. Why don't you make one a Jedi one of these days? We Quay Jedi, that'd be really cool, right? But it was cool seeing like the, the criminal element because, you know, uh, Mando is of bounty hunter origin. He's always going to be dealing, or at least dealing with people that are dealing with this, the scum and the villainy of the galaxy. And uh, just... I got to go also into the puppetry with this show because I think the prosthetics on the faces fall into that category of, oh my gosh, like seeing that Nikto leader guy talking was so natural. There was no CGI at all. It was all puppetry. And I've seen this stuff in person at Celebration. They had a breakdown of the Cad Bane prosthetics and the mask that was worn. And there was no CGI. That was straight up like everything you see. And there was no doctoring up of CGI. That was... Literally, like that's how good they have the mechanics and the motors, the tiny little motors, because I've seen the mechanics of it as like the thing was extruded, extruded in the exhibit that they had the different pieces that went together to create the that look. So uh, between that, how that guy looked, between how the animatics, uh, the stop motion animation puppetry of the IG Eleven attack when he's like half the torso, uh, between the Anzellans and Grogu. I love the fact that Lucasfilm, with all the money in the world that they have, they're still hearkening back to the old ways of doing things with the practical effects. Um, so, yeah, kind of going, I know I went off a little bit of tangent. I started talking about the pirates, then I started talking about the puppetry. But, like, uh, there's so many points that I want to talk about before they lo lose my brain because I literally don't have half of the stuff that's coming out on my notes. So, I got to get to it before I forget. But, yeah, going back to. The pirates. What did you guys think about the pirates? Uh, I, this is what this is why I don't like the middle part of the episode. I uh, thought I, I just I just didn't care. Like I didn't care, and that yep. sounds horrible. I just was like, uh, okay, like grief. Grief is gonna deal with them, and I knew he wasn't gonna die. I was like, oh, he's gonna wreck them. <laughs> to these people, and he did. They did. They wrecked them all except for the yep. one. And I love. I will say the best part about that is when Mando said. Are you sure we want to let him leave? He's like, yeah, because he'll let him know that Navarro is, you know, not a place to be trifled with. Yeah. I'm thinking, nah, just kill old boy. I wouldn't even let him get away. Just kill yeah. him. Um, I just felt the pirates are just stupid traditional pirates. Like, yeah. oh, I want a drink. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, get off. Get off the screen. I didn't care. 
Now, it may come back to where that particular semi-plot line might come into a factor. It could, but me at the, at the moment, I'm like, this is stupid. I just want to focus on Mando. Mm-hmm. Ben? Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me personally, I think the the pirate stuff was... It was fine, I think, just because... Okay. Uh, for for a lot of things you mentioned, Chris, like I like the puppet design so much on like the pirates. I think um, or the prosthetic design so much on the pirates. I think it it was done well, and like some of the stuff I feel like with Star Wars and these sorts of things, it's like it harkens back to like you know there is some like cheesiness in Star Wars mm. with some of it. So so it's just like to me, I thought it was it was fine because it was just like hey, it's pirates, it's. And to me, I guess, more along the lines of, I guess to, I don't know, to semi-justify it to you, Milton, I think it was to show, like, hey, there's still some, like, scrounging rookie little pirates mm. out there, you know, and, and Grief Karga and Mando, they don't really care about them just because they're, like, you know, little tiny pirates. So I think it was more along the lines of that, like, that they were maybe, like, a lower-level tier pirate than, say, I don't know. Yeah, I I or, love the fact or something. Yeah, they're like, so lower. I love the fact that they're so lower tier that it's acknowledged that he's like Rufark is walking away. It's like, oh yeah, go tell the scrubber droids to get this scum off the off the ground yeah. here. I <laughs> just like no second thought. He's just like, yeah, just deal with the dead bodies. Just get a this is the third this is the third group that came here this week. Just get rid of them, you know. Yeah, I that that's how that's how I would personally like justify that but yeah i can definitely see where you're coming from on that milton where it was just like hey what's going on here it's just kind of like you know i want to drink i want to drink i'm gonna go in there and drink anyways even though it's a school like um you know that whole thing i would have actually liked to seen i would have liked to see actually not even mando be involved in that action personally i would like to see grief karga do it all just to basically like give mando a lesson and be like hey see like you know this is for real, you know, I, just so Mando could have seen something. I would have preferred it to be that way, just so Mando would, like, realize there is, like, some danger out there. Um, but, but, yeah, I thought it was fine. I don't know if you guys caught it, but I caught it on the second viewing. Um, there is a certain pose that Din Djarin was doing that, like, literally looked exactly the same as, like, Boba Fett and Jabba's palace. Oh, where, like, 1,000%. He's, he's, like, leaning, like, like kind of, like, on one side up against the wall. He's just, like, just looking... He's like, you need help, yep. you know? <laughs> you have a problem here? It's like, yep. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah, um, as far as okay, so that dealt with Navarro, a lot of cool landscapes, uh, cool creatures. I'm pretty sure I caught a glimpse of what's called a crew, which is the same species of a bat creature from the higher public adventures. Uh there's a creature named Cham Cham. Um I believe that's what that tan-looking bat creature was. You couldn't even really see its face, but it was, like, flapping on somebody's shoulder. So I immediately, like, whoa, what, what is that? But, yeah, so the cool thing with IG-11, didn't see that story coming. And it was interesting, because um, the recap showed him. I'm like, what the hell does this have to do with the show? Like, this this was dealt with two seasons ago. Um, first of all, first of all, I, I, I keep going off on tangents. I'm going crazy with this today. But... I don't know about you, but I was, like, really shocked about how bare-bones the recap was. Like, it didn't even show anything about Grogu. It just assumed that you know that Grogu was a book of Boba Fett and all this stuff. I was like, whoa, they they were very bold with assuming that everybody has watched that show. I 
I didn't have a problem with it personally. I know, I know us as like hardcore Star Wars fans. I see, I I've seen that discussion a lot actually around the Star Wars community this week. And like to me, I think that's a non-issue, just because um, numbers wise, like the Book of Boba Fett's final two episodes had you know it did better numbers than Kenobi. It did better, or it did better numbers than like Mando season two's final couple episodes. Mando season one's like. So Book of Boba Fett was highly viewed. So I just think fan, a lot of fans probably knew it. And and let's be real, like a lot of the like really like general general people that probably half pay attention, they probably just don't even care. They're like, hey, Grogu's back with Mando. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I just I just thought it was interesting from like the mainstream people. Like they might have not even caught Book of Boba Fett, so they're probably like, Pretty sure that guy was leaving with that Luke Skywalker dude. So how did he end up here all of a sudden? But you know, yeah. they, they just gotta watch it. And it's interesting, right? Because when you look at how it's formatted with the with you know, if this is and this is where I'm battling with this in my mind, if this is all the same story, whether it be Book of Oath or Mandalorian, why isn't this like chapter uh so this is cha- why isn't this like chapter twenty four? Instead of seven, you know, oh, but seventeen. No, because, That's just like, because, like, look at look at other shows that do crossovers, like mm-hmm. the Flash. They're, they're all, I mean, I was saying the Arrowverse got multiple shows that mm-hmm. cross over, and they'd have seven hundred episodes then, or exactly. something. Now, now they'll say like for their special crossovers, like this is episode one of the crossover, okay. two of the crossover, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think with this, like, you need to have it be distinct of like. These are the seventeen chapters for Mando. These are the six chapters for you know Book of Boba Fett. Hmm. So yeah, I, I'm cool with that. Like I don't need that. I don't need. I don't need that continuity of Boba Fett in this show because it's a separate show. Hmm. It's a separate, True. not separate world. It's a separate um, environment of what he's working on. He's got something else going on completely different than what Boba Fett's doing. Again, like. Arrowverse, like Flash is in Central City, Arrow's in Star City. They got completely different villains, issues, mm-hmm. storyline, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So a big connection, and I ran through, oh, yeah, you have this connection to uh, IG-11. You have this connection to these characters over here. We almost skipped over the whole idea that there's a huge ass connection to the Purgle and Star Wars Rebels. I mean, how how did you guys react to that? Because I huh? I immediately like, kind of like audible noise, like oh, you know. Oh yeah, um, like I mean, go ahead, Ben. That was an in a really exciting moment for me, actually. You know, watching this at <laughs> three o'clock in the morning, like you know, there's there's few things that like get you like really wide awake, and that was like holy smokes, like. They made a full-blown connection to Rebels. And the fact that, you know, they did it in such a way. Because I think that was kind of their backdoor way of basically, like, to the fans like us in the know. Like, the hardcore fans that are following every de- detail of Star Wars. Just to put in, again, like like I said, Emily Swallow literally said, like, breadcrumb. To put a breadcrumb into the series, like, hey guys, remember... We, we still know this is connected to Rebels, like this, Ahsoka, like, you know, we know this is leading to what you guys are le- thinking of eventually, because, you know, the Pergil took Thrawn and Ezra. So, mm-hmm. the fact that they did this is really interesting, in a way, just because, 
like there's a few factors it makes you wonder you know it's really cool that grogu like witnessed it and i think they did it in such a cool way where it was like it was like grogu was kind of like us in that situation yeah because i don't know about you chris but like and milton it was just kind of like to me it was like amazement scene because it was like holy smokes like Mm -hmm. we're getting rebels live action on screen right now Mm. and like so like we were kind of like grogu in that situation just being like blown away like holy smokes so yeah i thought i i thought it was great i loved it it was great just seeing how they look but like not actually seeing how they look like i like the effect of just the shadowy figures and if you know you know Right. Any other person might have just been like, I don't know what the hell that is. It's just something in space, whatever. But we're like, oh, we know clearly what that is. And I I made a video about this uh, as my little deep dive video for the week on Mandalorian. I'll be doing those again. Uh, Just like the ramifications. um, First off, like Grogu. Oh, my gosh. Is he connecting with them the same way that that Ezra might connect with them? Also, this is pretty much a confirmation. I feel like that this season we're going to get we're going to get Ezra and we're going to throw at least a tease more of a tease later down the road because they're already setting up the viewers to be like, hey, look at these things closely because they're going to show up again very soon. Well, to, to throw out there real quick um, before we, before you go, Milton, just imagine this, guys. What if they're using these to set up eventually, maybe late in the season? What if we get to a point in this season where the Purgle do something like they did to Thrawn and Ezra to Mando, though, you know, and he gets sucked away like to like oh, shoot. a different part of the galaxy? Like, like that could be a potential thing because, you know, Mando didn't really realize it. Um, Grogu was, so it just makes you wonder <laughs> what they're gonna do with this this whole Pergil thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think after seeing that, it was fascinating. I mean, it was definitely a good highlight of the episode because I mean, we never would have thought that would have happened, and um, hopefully that does lead into something that's important when it comes to obviously seeing Ezra hopefully or Thrawn hopefully um yeah, yeah it was cool to see it I, I did not expect that but I, I wasn't I wasn't blown away by it because I, I guess I could, I shouldn't be surprised because it's Dave Filoni yeah. uh, again I shouldn't be shocked and I, I don't think I actually was I think I was just like oh and realized that was gonna happen and it was cool to see it like and what it could look like in real life or I guess live action yeah, and, and like you said, Ben, I think that was that moment that we're looking through Grogu as he's the lens that we're looking through in that moment where we're in space. And the fact that Star Wars, after all these years, can still lead to that moment of wonder where we're like, yeah, we've seen this, but not like this before. And it was kind of like well, this moment of magic, you know? Yeah, well, the fact that, like, to me, it really brought me back to the little snippet of Rogue One when. You hear General Sindula and you see um uh, what's the droid? <laughs> Chopper. Chopper. Like you see you it really brought me back to that moment in the theater. I still will never forget to this day. I was sitting next to my cousin, I elbowed him. I was like, dude, they actually connected the TV show into the damn movies. So like it, it really was that moment for me. Like I just felt that moment all over again, but even more now that we're actually seeing it like full blown, like focusing on it for a scene. Like so I just I just love that they're getting into it. And like you mentioned, Chris, I think if you ask casual fans, they'll probably heck they, they might have forgot about that scene by now. But but they um they probably will view that scene and probably think it was the uh 
you know, like a similar space worm that like ate Han's ship, ate, ate the Millennium uh, Falcon. Yeah. yeah. Like they yeah. probably will think it's something like that. And then once we get to seeing them full blown, because, you know, let's be real. We know we're going to see those things full blown at, at some point now, now that they, they barely introduced them the way they did. Like we're going to see them eventually. And it just makes you wonder, is this going to be, see, this could either be two things. It could be like you mentioned, Chris, it could be more ramifications for this season, like um, for down the line, like maybe episode six, seven, eight or something. And uh, keep in mind too. So this first episode directed by Rick Femoya, and then episode seven and eight, Rick Femoya. So like, mm. you know, Pergo in this episode, maybe we get more Pergo in seven and eight. But it just makes you wonder, it's either we're going to get them more down the line in this season, or it's going to be something like Boba Fett was in episode five of Mando season one, where you just see the boots, oh, yeah. and then we get Boba in season two. So it's either going to be like we actually get the Pergil, or maybe it's for the Ahsoka series, or maybe it's for Mando season four, because, you know, John already said he's done writing season four, so maybe, maybe we... Maybe that's a breadcrumb that's saved for that season. Yeah, well, we're going to watch on with great ex interest and expectations. But speaking of space, Milton, you're alluding to, hey, this is this is a TV show with a film budget, without a doubt. Holy crap, this space scene with the dogfight was unreal for TV. This is the best thing I've seen. And I, you know, I'm watching this on... You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna gloat a little bit here. I'm watching this on the big big screen TV. I'm just like, yeah, this is this is who needs to go to the movies. Like I watch Star Wars on the on the small screen like this every single week. Um, so that that was a lot of fun watching it in that format. But yeah, I mean, just the intensity, the speed, the sound, the the sound of the actual Naboo N1 starfighter it sounds like a a hot rod. It's flying around, and you're getting the perspectives. I love 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 love. The designs of, of the pirate ships and the way that they're filming like the inside of the cockpit like they did with the original trilogy and you see all aliens in fact i have to give them props i gotta give them props i don't know the species name off the top of my head but i'm pretty sure that was a saucy tin type of alien in one of those ships um because he had the tendrils I... either that or it was some kind of twi'lek but do I, I do think the new the new main pirate is a totally new species though. Yeah, I'm but what, sure. what are the dog pilot people? But um, yeah, but yeah, I mean this brought me back to two thousand two. This brought me back to the two thousand two uh, preview I seen on the news channel of reviewing Attack of Clones, and I remember watching it as a kid, going, "Holy crap, this movie looks awesome!" Because it's got Slave One flying through space, and I was like, "Dad, I have to go see this movie now." Like I got the same kind of excitement watching this little sequence, like what they actually pulled off an attack of the clones level like length of a space sequence in an asteroid field with a nabu starfighter picking off these guys and like you feel like like the mandalorian is a predator like he's stalking these people picking them off one by one like that was amazing to me i don't know if i'm blowing this out of proportion but i i enjoyed the heck out of this is my favorite part of the episode without without a doubt yeah, it was fire. It was good. I mean, it's all anytime you get a space battle on Star Wars, it's worth watching. Uh, it definitely it, it didn't seem like it was a streaming type of a show. It mm -hmm. looks like it's from a movie. I mean, it's 
I was very impressed with it. It, it definitely had that episode two vibes for sure. Yeah, because you go back to season one, and we had a dog fight, but it was the most rudimentary dog fight. You gotta agree, like they didn't know if Mando was gonna be successful. They didn't know like any kind of budget for a streaming service at that point because it had never been done with Disney before. So they're like, okay, we're gonna just throw one fighter against the Razor Crest. We're gonna have him doing a couple of loop de loops, and we'll call it a day. And then they're like, oh yeah, we've seen how we did that in season two. We added an inner interplanetary battle between two X wings and uh, the the Razor Crest there on that ice planet. And now they went all the way. And uh, I wouldn't even say they went all the way because I feel like there's probably even bigger battles that that are gonna happen this season already with these Star Destroyers and stuff. But but just the fact that we dialed up the intensity the it's a lot more kinetic, just the camera angles. It was it was awesome. Yeah, Ben, what are your thoughts on this one? Oh yeah. I thought I thought the entire uh space battle was done really well. You know, that's all I was saying throughout it. I was like, man, this is like movie theater quality type um design and graphics and the way it was um shot, just everything. I thought they did such a good job on it. And uh yeah, I, I just really, really enjoyed it. Like, it just brought back those, like, Star Wars-based dogfight vibes. It really did. Like like you said, Chris, kind of like Attack the Clones with Slave One and Obi-Wan. Like, it really brought back that kind of, like, dogfighting in the skies vibes. And it just, I just think they did such a, um, a really nice job with it. Yeah, and what got me even more hyped is, like, the guy's like, Oh, boss, I'm taking him back to you. And then it goes over the asteroid. And it is this beautiful ship. It's this beautiful, I'm pretty sure it's an Eclipse-class Star Destroyer, which is basically a like an Imperial ship that was, I'm pretty sure that's an Imperial ship that was commandeered by pirates and customized. Now, I'm hoping that we do those, I'm hoping that we get those like after episode, like little things on StarWars.com every Monday like we did before to like give me an actual name of that ship and like a little blurb about what the hell that ship is about because... I need to know about that ship and the fact that I think for the first time ever in Star Wars, like we're looking at like a capital ship for like an for like a independent smuggler or like pirate operations. Because last time that we got something of this caliber was in actually, believe it or not, Star Wars Resistance. There is this group and, of, and, and I went over this before in the episode. Wouldn't you know that the leader of this so-called pirate gang was a Quarren? I'm telling you. The Quarrens, they don't got a good look, man. Every Quarren you see, they're up to something. And it's it, we got, like, this really cool, like, smashed-together, like, ship that was, like, a part of an AT-AT, part of an Imperial shuttle in Star Wars Resistance, and seeing, like, this big-ass hulking ship that has, like, fighter docks and stuff. And then we go inside, and it's this crazy new species in Star Wars, which finally, like, we're getting new aliens. I love how they're paying homage to Return of the Jedi stuff. Like, they even have, like, a Return of the Jedi, like, tusk creature thing, which I don't know the species. I'm going to have to look that up. But the green gobbledygook guy that was basically Swamp Thing cracked me up because I'm sitting there. I was like, part of it looks like a Trandoshan got, like, thrown into, like, a toxic vac of chemicals and grew hair that was plant-like. I don't know, but I sure as hell was like, okay, I'm I'm interested to know about this character. It's one of those like crazy Star Wars uh, species that is going to show up on memes everywhere, and it already has, and everything else. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh yeah, for for sure. Like 
it's it's cool just getting like new characters like that introduce new character designs um and then like you mentioned chris like the whole fact that they had that the big imperial ship like that's great um and i i'm just really interested to see where they end up taking those characters really because i feel like you know of course we haven't seen the last of them i'm sure no in fact remember in the trailer i broke down in the trailer that there was that same eclipse uh class star destroyer yep. i think it might be the same one but it's in a different so i know these guys are showing back up again because at that point you have the ad, the n1 starfighter with a um astromech r5 droid is in the back so um, we're going to be making a pit stop at Tatooine at some point, picking up the droid, and then fighting the pirates once again. It's just like any other good tier TV series does, it sets up some villains in the beginning to show the strife is, and you revisit maybe once, and it may be again that season of like resolve conflict. So, yeah, I mean, that's as much as I wanted to point out for this episode. We, we you know, and later on they go to the planet with uh, in the Mandalorian space. We talked about that with Bo-Katan, about how... Her uh, demeanor is completely different than the demeanor of the other Mandalorians, hence setting up that strife. I thought it was a little weird how the how the episode ended there, especially watching it the second time. Like Mando's just like walking off, and it just ends unceremoniously. So kind of like Andor happened a few times that way, where it was like, oh wait, that's the end of the show. Oh wait, there's not like ten more minutes left. Okay, it's I guess next week. But yeah, so that was a little bit like, huh? Oh, okay, it's over. Yeah, I, I do think one um one interesting thing, though, that um, we haven't mentioned yet from this episode okay. was when Mando was talking to the armor earlier in the episode, the whole um, the whole conversation about, you know, of course, of course, we know Mando's going to go to Mandalore, obviously, like that's the point of this season. But it, it's interesting, like the fact that like Mando knows something is or like knows mandalore is is habitable or something because you know he mentions to the armor like jawas scavenged this oh, yeah. piece of rock or whatever or whatever it was um earth material i guess or like mandalore ground material or whatever it was like jawas scavenged it so like it's um that's like an interesting little detail they threw in there so it just makes it really makes me wonder how they're going to make Mandalore look in live action. I'm so excited to see it. Mm, yeah, and you know that's going to be, well, I don't you don't know if it's going to be cuz uh Filoni and Favreau don't like to have other people writing stuff in their sandbox, but I'm like, ah, in the future that'll probably be a little comic book or something like, "Ooh, how did how did the Jawas get the glass off Mandalore?" Right. <laughs> some some story there, but yeah, yeah. No, that was a good thing yeah, cuz it's like, yeah, not everything not everything has to be explained or shown on screen. You could have a little bit of mystery, and you need that with Star Wars. It shouldn't be every second of every person's life that you know. You want to maintain a little bit of secrecy, a little bit of imagination uh, for for some good fan talk along the way. Um, I'm going to check my notes. I think that's everything I wanted to make sense about. Um, oh, yeah, something um, going back to having some sort of uh, some sort of person that's watching over Navarro, a marshal, if you will. And I just in instantly thought of, oh, they got one on Tatooine. He's in a back to chamber. So I feel like I feel like we could be getting a Cobb Vanth appearance at some point now that Boba Fett kind of took the took the reins of his planet for the most part, has everything in control. Maybe we'll get some Cobb Vanth doing some some good old marshalling over there on Navarro at some point. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I was thinking that too a little bit, but I'm thinking, well, he's he might just stay on Tatooine. I, I feel like that's where he needs to be, but we never know. Yeah, I feel like what could happen is like you're gonna get this really big battle. And grief is going to be there. Cobb Banth is going to be there. And the day is going to be over. And then grief is going to be like, hey, hey, I need a marshal. And he's like, hey, I'll be your marshal or some like random thing like that. But oh, yeah, I could definitely that that's like the perfect type of like cheesiness I could see in this and just in Star Wars in general. Like we could we could all imagine that. Like, couldn't you just imagine Carl Weathers going, hey, Cobb, uh, you know, there's a job opening for me uh, for uh, on Navarro to be a marshal. What do you think? Like, you know, I could yeah. just see Carl Weathers saying that. Um, so I could actually that makes a lot of sense. If if Cobb does make an appearance, I could easily see that happening. Um, and I'm interested though to see when we do go to Tatooine this year, because obviously we we do like mm-hmm. uh, like it makes me wonder like will we see Boba Fett? You know, like. Are they just gonna skip it and just like mention, oh, Boba's, Boba's off? You know, is is Boba? Are they gonna pull like a Cara Dune thing with Boba, where it's like, oh, Boba's, uh, he's out flying around today. He'll be back later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, do you guys have any, any final thoughts on this episode before we go into score out of ten here? Uh, yeah. Overall, this is a really good premiere. I, I mean, I I can't really say it's bad i can't say it's trash they, mm-hmm. they, they did its job you know it, it was definitely a good way to set up the story set up the season I, i'm looking forward to what the next seven episodes are going to look like i think there's a lot of potential for this to be a really good season as the first two were um hopefully they continue to expand uh the mandalorian culture as they i'm sure they will hopefully we get to see uh some cool cameos or some cool like tidbits of things that we aren't expecting so Overall, I like the premiere. I, I can't really say many negative things about mm-hmm. it. Um, and I guess I'll just jump in with my score. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I'll just say this is probably an 8.75 for me. 8.75 for Milton. Uh, I agree with a lot what you said. As I said off the top, uh, you know, I had, a, I had a couple of nitpicks here and there. Um, wasn't as explosive. I, I kind of take that back because, as I said, that space battle was really, really something special for me. But as far as like setting up the story, did everything that a, a premiere should. Um, I feel like it could have improved on a few little things here and there. Um, so I can't give it a perfect score, but I think settling on an eight out of ten is about how I feel about it right now. But great start. Looking forward to seeing. The rest, it's crazy. It's like, oh, yeah, we only have seven episodes, right? It's like seven episodes left already. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, crazy to think about that. Um, but yeah, for me, I'd have to echo a lot of your guys' points. I think the episode was very good. It was a good good start to the series. Um, I didn't have an issue with the runtime at all just because it, it did its job. It got the story told, and you know, that's all we need. So I thought it was um, done really well. It was a nice reintroduction to all the characters. Um, whether it be Mando, Grogu, um, Grief Karga, the armor, even Bo-Katan to some extent to um, to see where she was at in the story. You know, they did a nice job when it, when it came to like the action sequences, uh, whether it be the space battle. I enjoyed the little little street fight thing with Carl with um, Grief and, and the pirates. I thought that was a fun little thing. And then... Um, yeah, just setting up where we're going, really. Like we're setting we're setting up 
like we mentioned to open the episode, we we have the main plot of Mandal- Mandalore. We have like the subplot of the pirates. We have the subplot of the IG Eleven stuff still. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we have these little subplots they're introducing, which are a really nice portion of the series. And of course, getting that like big Pergil moment, I I thought was really nice for all the hardcore Star Wars fans. I really, really, really appreciated that. And then, of course, like you know, I have to throw out there, it can't be a Mandalorian review without the fact that they went and did a super cute Grogu moment with the Babu Frick series. Like, oh yeah, yeah, everybody loved that. Everybody loved that. Like so, like to me, I would have to give this episode an eight point eight out of ten. 8.8 8 out of 10, and me and you both gave Bad Batch, what, a 9 out of 10? Yep. <laughs> so there but, you but have it. I somehow enjoyed the, the Bad Batch more than Mando this week. I don't know how that was happening. but well, that's, that's, that's an incorrect evaluation, though, because <laughs> Bad Batch had set the bar so low. We, we're, fine with, we're fine with about anything, but... When it comes to Mando, the bar is so high, like for good storytelling. And good okay, action. all right, that's fair. That's a fair explanation. Like that, that's why, because if we, I mean, if you think about it this way, if we're we're spending ten or however many episodes, eight out of ten episodes in the dumps, and then we get a really good Zillow Beast episode, of course we're going to rank that a nine out of ten. But maybe we want to rank that a nine out of ten if the episodes of Bad Batch were better. So I think that's why um, we looked at it this way with Mando, but. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a good start for the season. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the important thing. It was a good start. Yeah, correct. And the good thing is, uh, if you've watched the trailers, most of the trailers are on episode one. So we're going yeah. into a lot of this season with like, well, absolutely nothing to... that we know of. I mean, we know a couple yeah. things with like a what is it, the gauntlet fighter flying around the same environment that looks like Bo-Katan's on. So I feel like Empire's going to find her and try to kill her, and that's going to happen there. But other than that, yeah, shot on Tatooine and maybe one other random thing, but it's not not a lot. So it's going to be a lot of unexplored territory. And and real quick, the one thing is like, yeah, the IG-11 thing didn't see coming. Uh, There's no significance of him in any of the trailers or nothing. So it's like, oh, that's great. We're going to a whole plot line on him that we didn't know anything about. So very cool stuff there. Uh, It's great to see when Star Wars is not leaked. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think I think that was a nice um, little plot there. A little new plot point that we weren't expecting at all. And just a little teaser for our audience. Um, If you look, if you've heard like the general like chatter from a lot of the critics like Christian Harloff or like any of those people. Like they said, the second episode of the series stepped it up hmm. big time from the first. So I think we're in for a big treat this coming week. Yeah, and I think here's my thing on this. Um, so there was a screening, I think, the night of in Los yeah, it Angeles. Yeah, was with Avril, The whole crew was there. They uh, yeah, they only showed two episodes, which is interesting. They only showed two episodes. Um, I I don't know, but but they. I think they wanted to show two episodes because the second episode would really be the one that gets people talking. And they simply wanted Mando to be on Disney Plus longer than seven weeks. So they're like, well, unfortunately, we're going to have to put out just the one episode. But I think in a perfect world, they probably would have done like a two episode premiere. But since they want to draw it out as long as possible, they were probably like, ah, we'll just let people simmer on that for a week. Yeah. And it's like, to me as well, I don't know about you guys. I don't even know what to expect. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, with that chatter being so high in the second episode, it's like. It's like I mean it's yeah it's got to be something with they're Mandalore, going right to Mandalore. Right? Like, I'm telling you, it's it has to be because because 
or at least maybe attempting to go to Mandalore. Maybe they attempt it, and I don't know. The pirates come back for round two or something. Like, yeah. Like, I I don't know, but but it's got to be something really cool because, like I said, so many of the critics that saw it, like oh. the chatter is really really high on this okay. episode, this second episode. So it's just like and I don't I, know what could even be. And I just heard the same thing with Bad Batch episode twelve. Yeah. People are yeah, like, oh my gosh, well. Bad Batch episode twelve in the chat room. Peer people were saying. Bad Batch episode 12, it's going to be real good, too. So we're going to have a good double header again next week. Hey, that's the important thing. Keep this, keep this. See, this is all we want. Just good, solid Star Wars to keep, like, the fun going. So we're not just sitting here for two hours going, oh, man, this, this isn't good. This isn't good. Like, fun. <laughs> all right. We're getting Aaron. Da Aaron Daly is giving it an eight out of 10. Great start to the season. As far as Dirk Nerdy Gonzo is concerned, he's saying bad batch. Ep episode 11 is, is a nine out of 10 matching my score. And he's saying Mando season three, episode one is a seven out of 10, almost a six, but that IG 11 being rebuilt scene were the highlights that raised the episode quite a bit for me. So there you go. You could join everybody, such as Battling Bostons and Christopher Weber and Dark Nerdy Gonzo and Aaron Daly and Sims. You could join everybody in a chat every week at 9 o'clock Eastern as we will talk about Mando over the next couple weeks and the remainder of Bad Batch Season 2. We would love to have you guys joining in on the lively discussion here. And as always, you could always download if you are busy the episode after the fact, but please get back to us. Give us your thoughts after the fact, getting back to us at our Twitter handles at outer transmission at gmail.com and the various other places that we gather around on the internet. So there you have it. What are you guys going to be up to this week, Milton? And where can we people find you? Yeah, I'm going to be just unplugging away from people, man. Just taking this, uh, weekend just to get away and relax because uh it's been one heck of a week um but yeah i just want to get away for a little bit just focus on me uh go maybe go to a sporting event i'm not sure but just to do something just low-key this week honestly um people can find me at uh, twitter at milton weber 7 or instagram at milton 7 weber all right ben yeah i mean i'm gonna be probably pretty much chilling as well just finishing up um, a couple shows, getting excited for the next episode of The Last of Us. Um, that, that's been getting really good. And then, uh, you know, just the normal like fitness stuff, working out, meal prep or meal planning, and continuing the diet. Like I'm down a couple pounds this week, so that's nice. nice. And uh, yeah, just kind of chipping away at that, really. And then, of course, talking Star Wars and fitness on the internet to different people. <laughs> So uh, you can find me talking about that stuff at Real Ben Maynard on Twitter, and then on Instagram I'm posting like all my fitness stuff. Um, you can find me as well at Real Ben Maynard. Yeah, um, real quick side change right in the eleventh hour here. Um, forgot to mention this Last of Us man. That show is something else, and I always say this with Star Wars, like the first. You know, I try not to see a lot of these actors and other things before I see them in Star Wars. I like to leave like their character in Star Wars as a lasting impression of the actor. Hence, like Hayden Christensen will always be Anakin Skywalker. Harrison Ford will always be Han Solo before Indiana Jones. You know, Pedro Pascal might always be Joel before he's Mandalorian. I'm not even kidding. Like at this point, like 
I love that show so much. I love the character of Joel that he plays so much that I'm starting to... It doesn't help that he's covered by a, a helmet the entire time. But yeah. now I'm watching Mandalorian and it's screwing with my head because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Joel talking through a Mandalorian. Like, that's how it's become for me. Like, I am that attached to that show. Like, every episode is basically like a 9.5 or a 10 out of 10 for me. It's the type of show where I watch it and I have to like stop what I'm doing after I watch it and just sit there and, and decompress because it's so heavy and it has so much to say. And it's so thought provoking for me watching that show that it's like, I don't know how anything could be better this year on TV. And I, man, I love The Mandalorian, but I don't know what else could possibly be better than The Last of Us this year because it is that good for me as far as just really good television from a character perspective an acting perspective a setting perspective everything well i think i think of course all the writing and everything is is great and everything and blah 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 blah. all that stuff is excellent that you mentioned but i think that's more of a, a testament to hbo's quality like i've said it forever you know hbo's quality is unmatched like for all the streaming services mm-hmm. including disney plus like take house of the dragon house of the dragon is the best in my opinion like mm-hmm. one of the best shows we've seen in years mm-hmm. you know from the last game yep. of thrones basically yep. like like because because hbo I, I don't know what it is hbo's quality like it just looks different i mean even even when you have high quality disney shows like you know um you know we talk so highly of Andor. like i'm not the biggest fan of that series but you know, I can say the cinematography and everything look great, but it still doesn't look any for some reason. I don't know what it is, if it's the lighting, the the way they shoot things. But HBO, their Game of Thrones series, Last of Us, um, everything, it just looks better than any of the series on Disney Plus. I don't know why, but it they just do. It's just like the quality is so high. Um, yeah, I think that's a big testament to HBO. And then for me, like to, to throw out my what I recognize Pedro as. Like, I love him as Mando, love him as Joel, but for me, like, the impact, the impact his character had on me, like, in Game of Thrones was oh, so big. Like, the Red Viper was the Martell. That was the most shocking, his death, I don't know, like, for me, I can, I'll never, like, un-imprint <laughs> his whole, like, sequence of him, like, fighting the yeah. mountain and everything and then getting his head crushed like i <laughs> like that i'll always forever associate him as that character just because it was such like a holy smokes uh... like, they just did this type of a death like with a character like i think that's why i always associate pedro with with um that character from game of thrones just because it, it was like such an iconic scene from the from that series yeah but so yeah he's been really great yeah, so check it out if you want uh, something with Pedro Pascal, you want something to hold you over for the next episode of Mando, then there's a couple episodes left of season one of The of the Last of Us there on HBO Max. And finally, for me, you can find me on YouTube.com right here on YouTube.com slash Star Raptor talking about Star Wars comics, uh, breaking down Mando episodes, uh, deep dives into certain specific little topics that I find f- fascinating, particularly um, on the channel here. And you can see me live on Saturday, April 8th, at Star Wars Celebration XL Center at 4 o'clock p.m. their time over there. Um, I will be talking about bounty hunters, smugglers, gangsters, the scum and villainy through the years uh, with my pal Dominic Jones from the Star Wars Underworld and special guests will be uh, joining us there. 
Um, so yeah, if you're going to be around, I know the panel schedules aren't out yet. Uh, I'm assuming they're going to be up pretty soon since I got my time slot, but there you go. Be on the lookout for all that information if you will be um, at the convention this year. So for Milton, for Ben, for I, Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor, this was the Outer Rim Transmission, episode number 98, creeping ever closer to that big 100 triple-digit episode. We'll see you guys next week in Transmission.